the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. You are, of course, listening to the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. My co-host this week is Christopher O'Brien. You know, one of the things we don't talk about as much as we should on the show is how the media treats the subject of UFOs and paranormal research. Now, in case you're just listening to the show, we've talked about it in the past, not as much. And I have to say that during the time that I was working for the traditional broadcast media back in the 1970s, that makes me older than dirt, I guess. I covered UFO stories in the area in which I worked, which was southeast Pennsylvania, and my bosses never said anything bad about it. It was okay because it was also in the mainstream printed press, so they didn't care. As long as I covered my normal news beat, they didn't worry if I stuck in a UFO story, so long as there was duplicate coverage from other members of the media. I even had a UFO magazine at the time, but I don't think they understood that concept. So they let me do my thing. And even nowadays, I do a technology radio show, the Tech Night Out Live. I do the PowerCast, and people don't really criticize me for it. What about you? You came out in this field with a background as a musician. Of course, you were there for an entertainer. So how did the adaptation process go? Well, you know, Gene, I've been on, I don't know how many uh, television segments, uh, film documentaries, hundreds and hundreds of radio programs, um, like, like many people in the field. I'm leery of the media, but um, much to my surprise, all through uh, the 90s uh, into, you know, the new millennium here, I never had any problems with, uh, with the media in terms of, of them pulling fast ones, misstating, you know, what I was actually presenting until... I did the show UFO Hunters back in 2007, and that was the first time that I really uh, became upset because of the media's uh, you know, treatment of my own personal um, appearance and, and my work. I was asked to help out on a segment that addressed window areas or portal areas around the country, and we were doing the show here in Sedona. And um, I bent over backwards to help uh, field produce the show. I got together the witnesses and, and did a lot of unpaid work, in a sense, for them to help them make the best segment possible. And uh, during the interview that uh, they conducted with me, which was uh, over two hours, um, I explained laboriously that uh, my research into uh, the San Luis Valley was what I was basing all the information I was relating to them. Uh, I said, this is all about the San Luis Valley. And so what they did on the, in the editing bay, much to my horror, was they, they cut my interview to make it sound like everything I was saying was about Sedona. And, you know, one of the main hosts on the show even blurted out one of my standard lines I've been using for years. The San Luis Valley has the highest incidence of UFO sightings uh, in North America. He just substituted the word Sedona for that. I really uh, was upset about that because I, I felt that this was um, um, uh, these guys were being dishonest, basically. But why so, would they do that? Where does it matter if the sightings occur in San Luis Valley? Or in Sedona, other than being hundreds of miles distant from each other. <laughs> right. Well, I think that there is this thing going on to try to get Sedona to be the real focus and hotspot area, I think, for the paranormal and for the New Age, for that matter, and metaphysical um, subjects. And I think the San Luis Valley either isn't sexy enough or there's stuff going on there that the powers that be don't want people to know about. I think one of the reasons why... Uh, the San Luis Valley is kind of getting dissed in this particular instance is 
I have a sneaking suspicion that there's something uh, going on there that has to do with black budget money, potential secret government projects, and I think it's um, there's a possibility. I'm not saying this is this is for certain. I just have a, a hunch here that there's um, there's a bit of an effort to keep the lid on the San Luis Valley to some extent to keep attention focused elsewhere. And okay, I'm not saying okay, that, that raises the bigger question. Okay. So you feel that the people at UFO Hunters may have been unfairly influenced by some of the powers that be to change San Luis Valley to Sedona? Well, they were shooting in Sedona, so I know they, they were really invested in the location because it is sexy. There's great shots here, obviously, with the Red Rocks. I, don't, I, I really can't say for certain, obviously, whether they were leaned on to do what they did. However... This isn't uh, the only indication I've had over the years that there seems to be a, a, a kind of a lid that's being put on the San Luis Valley. For instance, the NIDS uh, Black Triangle map, uh, the Larry Hatch Black Triangle map, and the MUFON Black Triangle map have been combined together into one big map that shows all the Black Triangle sightings around North America. I personally gave uh, two out of those three. 12 really good reports, including a half a dozen reports of black triangles reported by law enforcement. And wouldn't you know it, you look on the map there and there's not one single black triangle sighting between uh, Denver and um, like Albuquerque. So maybe that's an oversight on their part. Shoddy research, definitely. And, uh, you know, my database is there. Um, Just recently we had this fake or fake show come uh, to the San Luis Valley and investigate a cattle mutilation case. And they they totally uh, debunked the whole thing in a, a ridiculously, just a ridiculous manner. Um, so, you know, I'm not saying that, uh, that, that my hunch is correct. I'm just saying that I have this hunch. So I've been lucky over the years, though. Uh, the media, I think, has treated my work uh, with respect. Uh, I've, I've never had, up until the UFO Hunter segment, I've never had reason to, to be upset with the media for my own personal treatment, although... Boy, I have got complaints about how they handle the paranormal realm uh, in general, that's for sure. Well, certainly, <laughs> that show is no longer on the air, UFO Hunters, so we don't know what the motivations were. I got the impression in communicating privately with Bill Burns, one of the hosts, that he claims he wasn't responsible for what happened. I'm not going to attach blame one way or the other. It's one of those unfortunate things where some really interesting data got screwed up, And it shouldn't have been. And part of the problem also is the media, when it makes a mistake, deliberate or otherwise, they don't apologize. That's very unfortunate. No, they don't. (laughs) All right. We have a guest making a return appearance this week. Yeah, we do. Stanford. Now, I know from the previous appearance on the Paracast, he was a rather crusty character. In fact, as our listeners might remember, at one point, he almost (laughs) threatened to terminate the conversation. No, he did threaten to terminate the conversation. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, Ray, I've known Ray for many years. Uh, I consider him one of the most important people in the field of ufology. Uh, this is based on my own personal uh, opinion. But I've met a lot of the, the movers and shakers in this field. And in terms of visual acuity and knowledge and, and a 50-plus year history in the field, I don't think anybody can touch Ray Stanford. And. Uh, there's elements about Ray's past that have come up on the Paracast forums, and we're going to ask Ray about some of these things. Uh, he is considered to be uh, a psychic by many people who have known him over the years, and he has done actual channelings and stuff many years ago. And uh, he is, uh, for instance, he's being called a psychic paleontologist. He's found more dinosaur tracks 
than any other person, has probably the largest collection of dinosaur tracks in the world. And he also discovered a cast of the only fully articulated dinosaur skeleton ever discovered on the East Coast. Now, all, this, all these discoveries he's made with his observational acuity inside the Beltway. So we're talking just right around the Washington, D.C. area. He walks the creeks and finds these incredible tracks, some of which have never been discovered before. Uh, so he, there is something about Ray that is uh, above normal here. And uh, I, I want to start our, our show uh, with Ray uh, in you know, addressing this because a lot of people have misconceptions about the man. And uh, he's, you know, they just put his nodosaur in the Smithsonian Institute as a permanent display. So we're not dealing with a slouch here. Uh, he's a big league amateur scientist, and I'm really looking forward to this show. We're going to be talking about the White Sands uh, July 1978 event that he and his team covered, and this is going to be a fascinating uh, show today, Gene. Also, we'll ask him briefly about the Saqqara, New Mexico case, kind of a follow-up in light mm-hmm. of the recent death of the witness, Lonnie Zamora, and maybe right. some of the criticisms that have been lodged lately by one particular blogger about the authenticity of the Saqqara incident. So, coming up on the Paracast this week, Ray Stanford will return, and we don't know whether or not he's going to hang up on us. We're going to have to see because we're not going to hold back the questions. The co-host this week is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. With more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers, for listeners of the Paracast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider, for example, is Above Top Secret, the worldwide UFO cover-up by Timothy Good. Timothy Good, as you know, has been a guest on the Paracast. Yet another book worth considering from Audible.com is Lies and Deception, UFOs and the Secret Agenda, from Timothy Good once again, and also from our old friend Nick Pope. As you know, Nick Pope has also been on the Paracast. This is another book that you're definitely going to want to check out. For this book or another free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash paracast. Good day. This is Peter Kratznamo from Midas Resources. Today is August 27th, 2010. Gold opened this morning at 1238.40. A one-ounce gold coin can be purchased for 1271.33, 635.66 for a half ounce, and 317.83 for a quarter ounce. 1271.33, 635.66, and 3. 1783. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, warning of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. CBO is drawing a parallel between U.S. economy and the Greek economic meltdown. Debt to GDP climbing to unfamiliar territory and deficits rising to unsupportable levels. Hi, Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American. Covering the risks of deficit spending, aging population, and rising interest rates spells economic disaster. Call today at 800-686-2237. I'll send it free. Again, call 800-686-2237. Ask for the CBO document. Call 800-686-2237. When you hear the words water purification, what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems, this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride? Add less than 2 cents per gallon. 
Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water, remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Tired of searching for great talk radio? There's a, a wide range of stuff on here. We are the GCN Radio Network. Genesis. Genesis. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. The co-host this week is Christopher O'Brien. Our guest returning to the PowerCast this week is UFO paranormal researcher Ray Stanford. And we're going to cover a whole range of questions about his background, his research, and, you know, some of the questions you've asked, ladies and gentlemen, in the PowerCast forums at forum.thepowercast.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast. Ray, maybe you could start with a couple of comments about the Sakara, New Mexico case recently. Lonnie Zamora died. And maybe you can give us some remembrances having known him at the time you were investigating the case. Well, Lonnie, in my experience, was, and and I've interviewed a lot of people that have seen uh, and reported seeing UFOs and even photographing them. But Lonnie it would rank at the absolute top of the quality as far as integrity and uh, unwillingness to embellish the story, just be straight uh, facts. I guess that partly came with his, his background as a police officer. And uh, it was very sad to, to learn of his, his passing. He had even heard about the ridiculous claims of this thing having been a student prank uh, before he passed on. Now, maybe we can just detail that very quickly. There was a report by a blogger named Brigham. I believe. And he had this quote from one of the professors at this local college suggesting they all knew it was a prank. So what's the story about that? This was nothing new uh, to my knowledge. Back when I was there uh, firsthand investigating the case in uh, April of 1964, Dr. Colgate was there at uh, what is Southern New Mexico uh, Tech. And uh, he um, 
he was asked by a news person there about this case, and he he said, "Well, you know, it, it has to be a student practice, student hoax, because those kind of things, nothing can come that far, and so it, it has to be a student prank." And uh, he was asked if uh, if he could put his finger on any student that did it. He said, no, but it just has to be. Of course, he was an art skeptic, and that was his kind of logic. And I think that... So basically, this is the must-be answer. It has to be something normal, therefore it must be a prank. Yes, and I, I think that he wasn't being completely forthcoming when he put a note in a letter to the late Dr. Linus Pauling saying it was a student prank. It's a shame that when, when a, a scientist like Dr. Colgate uh, will step out of the bounds of science and state something that has his personal wish as being fact. Now, this particular person who wrote this article, Anthony Bregalia, is he just a skeptic yes. or is he looking for a headline or what? No, I have well, to mention, my, we did invite opinion, him I, on the Paracast, and he declined to appear. Yes. Uh, yes, he was invited to, to bait me on this, and he refused to appear. Uh, you know, I had the better side. In the first place, he was saying, oh, these these witnesses, it's just going to be a few days. We're, we're going to get some of these people that have been involved in this come up. Well, of course, they never did, because... No one ever did it. I mean, there's no way that what happened on April 24, 64, in broad daylight in front of this police officer's eyes, uh, including part of it within within 50 feet, uh, there's no way that there was a, a student prank. So um, even back at that time, uh, even the, the media man that uh, he had, Dr. Colgate, had told this to about it being a student prank, um, realize that, you know, this was just wishful thinking on, on Dr. Colgate's part. Yeah, and one thing that I, I really want to uh, point out here, in case we forget, is when Bregalia came out with his part two to his article, I think it was the following day that Lonnie Zamora died. And uh, it's kind of hard not to, you know, <laughs> go there and draw any sort of conclusions. But Lonnie from was a stand-up guy from all of my knowledge about the case and, of course, talking to Ray about it. And uh, I just hope he just didn't die of a broken heart for having his, uh, you know, his integrity and everything else called into question by this uh, Johnny-come-lately who's uh, basically a pot stirrer. He, he just likes to get in there and pick a subject and stir the pot up and create controversy. Right. Lonnie was not affected by it. Lonnie okay. had, from the word go, and when he had this experience, you know, high school kids and college kids would drive by and say, hey, man, I've seen any UFOs lately and this kind of stuff. And Lonnie took it in good spirits. Uh, yes, it made him feel badly, but uh, he really didn't let this kind of thing hurt him. And that's good. That's One good. thing here I wanted to just mention here, you mentioned this fellow, Anthony Bergaglia. Has he done this kind of ambush elsewhere? I haven't, I haven't followed him, to tell you the truth. When I, I, I saw, uh, and not an ambush, I saw him claiming that uh, uh, nitinol was invented because of uh, uh, bendable turn back to its original shape metal uh, in the alleged uh, uh, crash at Roswell. And uh, frankly, it was in no way, in my opinion, scientific reporting. It was, it was gifts, gifts after supposition, and it was certainly not, not good reporting. Certainly not good science uh, in tracing the origin of nitinol. So, uh, in my opinion, uh, the things I saw. I just quit, quit listening to him until the Socorro thing came up because I didn't feel that uh, his investigations were thorough or uh, objective or insightful. 
Okay, well, since he doesn't want to come here to defend himself, maybe we should just begin to drop the subject. Yeah, and move on. Well, just let him uh, let him do his thing. He he's um, he seems like a fairly a fairly good researcher, but uh, and he's able to dig around and find find things. But I think his his conclusions. Uh, I think he's got to be a little bit more careful with how he he poses his conclusions. And uh, I think Ray brought up a real good point in that regard. So, Ray, just briefly before we go on to some other subjects, what can we take away from the Sicaro, New Mexico incident? This is something that happened, uh, what, 40-some-odd years ago? That's right. There's there's some good evidence we, we can take away. For one thing, uh, although I've offered it to people, nobody has used it uh, as yet. I have a professional quality uh, video uh, that I had uh, made out in front of our office headquarters in Austin, Texas, of our project Starlight International. And uh, Heineck is sitting there, and he confirms that uh, the film that uh, Officer Ted Jordan had taken right after the object had taken off, just just while it was almost still visible in the sky, uh, Jordan got there right away because he was a state police officer and was listening on the state police band. And... Uh, uh, he got pictures and was asked to give them to the Air Force for processing, and uh, he couldn't get them back. And finally, he had Lonnie ask Dr. Heineck when he was in town in August what had happened. Then Heineck told him, well, uh, the Air Force wouldn't uh, wouldn't give them back to him because they were fogged as though by some kind of radiation. And uh, uh, so uh, Zamora uh, relayed this information to me. And uh, I got Heineck down there and uh, put him on camera and asked him point blank, and he confirmed it. He said that that is what the Air Force told him was the reason that they didn't uh, give him his film back. That's interesting evidence in itself when you have the guy that was the chief scientific consultant on UFOs with Project Blue Book telling that they, well, they didn't tell the public the film was irradiated. They told uh, Zamora <laughs> through Heineck, and ultimately I learned it. Now, there's other other things that uh, that we can take from this case uh, one thing is uh, there is uh, a rock that was uh, four or five inches below where the main landing exhaust uh, was pointing downward when it landed and took off that I have that um, and I have uh, nearly a hundred pounds of control samples that don't have this of the same type of uh, volcanic rock uh, this rock has uh, crystals of quartz in it but these crystals appear to have turned to glass. They're no longer um, birefringent as crystals are. I hate to interrupt, Ray, but we're going to have to pick that up in the next section of the PowerCast. We do welcome your comments. Post them at forum.thepowercast.com, forum.thepowercast.com. We have Ray Stanford. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The PowerCast. Okay, neighbors, here's the problem. Face-to-face business meetings with clients and colleagues are always going to be important. But business travel is a hassle, and it's often a complete waste of money. Well, here's a solution for you. Do more, travel less with GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is an award-winning online meeting service brought to you by Citrix. With just a click, host sales presentations, training sessions, or product demos right from your own desk. Avoid the hassle of traveling and still exceed your sales goals. Plus, GoToMeeting is just $49 a month for unlimited online meetings. Plus, voice over IP and phone conferencing is included. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. 
Once again, go to meeting free for 45 days. Visit gotomeeting.com slash podcast. Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow. My name is Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me. What did Crystal do? I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work. Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using heart and body extract. Learn more at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Remain in your houses. The President of the United States has declared martial law under Executive Order 11004. Will they do it? Will they pull the trigger this time? We all pray they stand down, but an engineered crisis seems more likely with each passing day. Think it can't happen here? Executive Order 10990 locks down all highways. Executive Order 10995 seizes control of all media outlets. Executive Order 10998 controls all farms and food supplies. All these executive orders are now cocked, loaded, and waiting for the right crisis. So if you're worried about the possibility of martial law here in America or have questions about how to survive it, go to MartialLawSurvival.com. That's MartialLawSurvival.com. Go to MartialLawSurvival.com right now. You must remain in your houses until your bracelets are scanned. Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? (laughs) The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast.
co-host is Chris O'Brien. The guest is Ray Stanford. We are just wrapping up some discussions about the impact of the Sicaro, New Mexico case from 1960s. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast, and you were talking about this rock ray turning to crystal? Uh, no, it had crystals in it. It was uh, a type of volcanic rock that... Um that cools uh, slowly enough for crystals to form in it. In other words, it, it, it's not glass. It it's actually has, has recrystallized. But uh, certain quartz crystals are reached certain sides that you can easily see them with the naked eye. And it appears upon the surface of this that where these uh, this quartz is, is quite strong, tough stuff, and uh, there's been some erosion around it. And you can see it looks like the were, when this thing was heated up, the quartz crystals that were already there at the surface uh, have lost their quartz shape. You can see their shape as it goes into the matrix of the six-sided quartz figure. But you see it's a globule like it was melted and although the main mass was not melted, the crystals were, which strongly suggests a resonance phenomenon, as you might have in a, in a watch, for example, of a quartz crystal resonating at a certain frequency to keep time. It looks like there was a resonance phenomenon, possibly, by the quartz, in the quartz crystals, which in itself would be extremely important and potentially diagnostic, because there are very few things that you could uh, project onto a quartz crystal and, and get the uh, into this volcanic material and get the quartz crystals to resonating so fast that they would heat up and melt. It requires about, let's see, 1,400 degrees centigrade to melt that kind of quartz, and so it's quite a respectable uh, task, to say the least. So it looks like we have some pretty good evidence of an unusual mode of propulsion uh, in the takeoff and landing exhaust, so-called at Socorro, which didn't bounce like a rocket exhaust. It, Lonnie had seen rockets launch, tested at White Sands. The exhaust actually surprised him by knifing in. It didn't, didn't bounce off. It actually seemed to knife into the soil, which would suggest maybe subatomic particles at relativistic velocities, heating local uh, atmosphere uh, in such a way that uh, it turned kind of a bluish color, and uh, around the edge it was kind of an orange. It just just what I would expect under such a circumstance. But we're going to segue, which is something we do on radio shows. We're going to segue to another incident that we wanted to talk about this week. And I'm going to turn the mic over to Chris to follow up on something that happened in 1978 at White Sands. Thanks, thanks, Gene. Uh, you know, having worked with Ray for a number of years and getting uh, countless um, uh, examples of his investigative work down uh, in manuscript form, actually, in a conversational manuscript form, one of the most compelling cases that Ray told me about had to do with a July of 1978 uh, investigative trip uh, out to the White Sands military uh, base out there and onto the edge of the base. And why don't you start in with a little setup piece, Ray, about how you found out that you should be going out there with your team. Uh, I think this is a very, very intriguing story, and it has tons of hard scientific data that you're able to obtain, which we'll get into. But why don't you start us out and tell us how you found out about something going on at White Sands. Well, back in uh, in January, I had been on the Phil Donahue uh, show. This and, is 1978, uh, January, right? That's right. Okay. And uh, at the time when I first, my, my office got this information, I had been out in Phoenix investigating a case it, where some two people had filmed the same kind of object I had filmed from an airliner in uh, 1277 the year before, but uh, when I got back to Austin, uh, my secretary told me that 
there was a call from a very nice and interesting lady that she thought I ought to call return the lady's call right away, which I did. And a very nice person. It turns out that uh, she had been watching the Donahue show. She didn't even realize that her project existed, uh, headquartered right there in Austin, and uh, was thrilled. So she called her brother, who uh, was a physical scientist working at the White Sands uh, Proving Grounds at that time. She told him about the equipment that we showed pictures of and discussed on the Donahue show, which received more calls than the show ever received in its history, understood later from the producer. And uh, he, she told him the, these details, and he said, my gosh, he said, I'm so glad you called me this time. He said, for several weeks, we have been plagued by these crazy things out here. He said, uh, there has been, in fact, so much activity that a directive was sent out that everyone out here was to use any means at their disposal to get intelligence on these objects. And he said, I would bet if you would tell those guys to sneak around here, they obviously can't get in the facility, but if they'll sneak around the edge, they've got to see these things because we are seeing them so regularly and constantly in the last few weeks. Well, uh, we wouldn't pass up an opportunity like that. So on the morning of the, uh, the 19th of July, 1978, uh, we had packed all of our fancy equipment in the Chevrolet Silverado and uh, the three, myself and two other persons, uh, experienced members of our, our ground crew to, they can operate the equipment. Uh, we took off for First West Texas and the uh, it was odd because we had planned to circulate around uh, the east side of White Sands and when we got to the highway where we were to turn, I had this weird sensation. Maybe this is where my grandmother inherited psychic ability comes in i had a feeling if we took that route we wouldn't see a thing but i had a feeling to go on and take the highway across uh, through roswell not because of roswell but because it was the highway i felt we were to take and we did and when we got through plains texas just west of plains texas and broad daylight um all of a sudden, we saw two UFOs maneuvering in the beautiful blue desert sky, and we stopped, and uh, now we were so excited. I forgot to put out the gravimeter sensor, but we, I put out the magnetometer sensor properly deployed and uh, got the uh, uh, Super 8-millimeter movie camera with 10-power telephoto lens out and uh, filmed these things. They were wonderful. These objects... Uh, would go along side by side, and we had the impression they were a pretty good angular size. Each object, uh, I would say that it covered about oh, nearly the full uh, angular width of the full moon, which would be about a half degree. And they would be moving along side by side at high speed, and we felt they were somewhere at least between 60 and 90,000 feet, maybe higher. And then one would instantly be going the other way. Now, it's interesting that when I examined the movie film afterward, uh, you see both objects, they look quite normal, until the moment the one reverses, the moment before it reverses around that one, you see a like a donut of a brilliant red uh, with streaks going out from it in all directions. And uh, this suggests some bursts of energy that enabled it to flip and move exactly 180 degrees with no visible slowdown, which is in itself quite remarkable. But that's that's what we recorded, and we had the first great thrill of our experiences in trying to hard data monitor UFOs because as we watched this, we had an audio analog of the magnetic field. They were putting out strong magnetic field effect in the extreme low frequency range. And whenever visually one of these objects would reverse direction, let me give you with my voice as close as I can duplicate it, an audio frequency analog. Here we go. Oh, 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 oh,
There is nothing wrong with your television set. We are controlling Ray, that the sounded like a wounded cat. <laughs> That's right. Well, it, it, it probably uh, was a cosmic cat. And, well, well, uh, uh, Ray, let me, let me just jump in here real quick. Uh, you mentioned that you filmed uh, the, this event. Now, um, ha- have these films ever been shown publicly? Uh, I know you have, uh, no, you're have. No, you sitting on no, a treasure trove uh, of, of films. Right. Have you ever had these broadcast anywhere? Have they ever been published? Oh, no. No, no. These have not been broadcast. Okay. We, we're going to talk about this whole subject. I don't want to interrupt and digress too far, but uh, later on we'll talk about your films, but, but continue. And I'll tell you, before okay. we do continue, we're about to take a break, and I don't want to have a cliffhanger. People criticize us when we have to do a break, which is mandated by a time clock, and then we have to break a conversation. So I'm going to let Ray answer that question on the other side. We have to tell everybody that if you want to learn more of the things that we do, go to theparacast.com with a T-H-E, theparacast.com, where you learn the upcoming show schedules. And also you can download, what, close to 250 episodes of the Paracast free of charge. That means you don't pay a dime to get those episodes and a lot of other shows will they charge you premium fees for things like that we give it away are we stupid or not don't answer that question chris o'brien joins us as co-host our guest is ray stanford i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast ray perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the gulf war lives tortured by relentless perplexing nightmares Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry. You worry, but only because you're paying attention. What's happening in the Gulf of Mexico illustrates an audacity toward nature. A similar audacity called GMO, or genetically modified organisms, means that the quality of commercially grown food may be compromised with our health in the balance. Now that summer's here, what better time to learn about the bounty that nature provides in wild edible food? Let author Linda Runyon show you the best-kept secret in plain sight that food is everywhere you look. 
This summer, for the cost of a good meal or two out, you can literally starvation-proof yourself and your loved ones against any future craziness and put up tons of free food, too. Whatever experiment is being run on us, you can rest assured that Linda's 50 or so staple foods aren't involved. Our foods are their enemy. So go to ofthefield.com or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and take that first step. Make your oasis of food security and nutrition now. That's O-F-T-H-E-F-I-E-L-D dot com or call 1-888-513-2837. Start now and make 2010 your year of independence. There are many types of storable foods, but how about a superfood that contains every nutrient that the human body needs for survival? 50% protein, 300 milligrams of potassium per ounce, and calcium and magnesium for your heart and bones, with many more nutrients found in this incredible food source that the government does not want you to have. This product is available in powder, seeds, and oil, and is shipped free to your door in the U.S. This product is illegal to grow in the U.S., but is legal to import. Don't waste time thinking about storing food. Plan ahead and prepare for yourself and your family now and be in control of your destiny. You can save and invest your money, but in the end, food will be your greatest asset. Remember what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 719. Call 908-691-2608 and see what the powder, seeds, and oil can do for you. Remember, food will be your greatest asset. Call 908-691-2608. This product does not contain THC. Call 908-691-2608 today. Tired of searching for great talk radio? And I think it really does make a difference. We are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? Ray Sanford joining us this week on the Paracast. We were about to talk further about this 1978 UFO encounter that he witnessed. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Powercast. So Chris put a question on the table, then I broke it for a few moments. Could you answer, Ray? Uh, I'm not sure that that, that Chris said he wanted to postpone the discussion of... of yeah, the, let's, 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 let's cover that later. Let's later. let Ray go on, on to let, the actual... Let me tell you a few more impor- very important details of this case. We, as we normally did um, uh, our field operations, we were recording a time signal from the Bureau of Standards at Fort Collins, Colorado. It's called WWVB. It's a binary time uh, format. And uh, we're recording this on the tape in uh, the different range in which we're recording the uh, the magnetic field effects of the UFOs and uh, geofects that we'd had that particular part operating that afternoon, which we forgot because it was so exciting that we didn't forget the next uh, later that night when something happened. But what is interesting is that when you look at the analog graph of the radio signal from Fort Collins Bureau Standards Broadcast, which is below our horizon there in West Texas, and it depends upon the reflection of the ionosphere, which acts kind of like a metal sheet and reflects the signal from the Bureau of Standards down toward us. But when you look at the signal uh, of the UFO magnetic field in the extreme low frequency range, whenever that reversal of direction occurs, you see, and and the field uh, magnitude just pulses up tremendously high, you see a directly proportioned drop in the uh, reception from WWVB, which indicates that they were disturbing the ionosphere with this strong magnetic field, which tends to be borne out also by the fact that they were at high uh, altitude, uh, as I said earlier, and uh, therefore we have 
a substantiation there of, of an hypothesis uh, that uh, suggests that UFOs are using magnetohydrodynamic propulsion, that they are electrifying the atmosphere around them and moving it for propulsion with a magnetic field. And when they have to alter that and put on some extra force to reverse direction and it pulses up, it jars the ionosphere. We lose virtually all or almost all of our signal from the Bureau of Standards only in that period. And as soon as the UFO field returns to normal, the reception from Fort Collins returns to normal. And you okay. have this you have this information uh, in, in a graph form that was recorded at the time, uh, at the location, in other words. Yes, and yes. in fact, I, I sent you a slide that, that included uh, two samples of it. Uh, okay, great. So, so we're going to put that up on the Paracast just to give people a point of reference on that. Continue. This was, of course, a, a most thrilling thing. We have not only the recordings going on inside the machine, the magnetometer, gravimeter, WWVB signal. Externally, we had uh, an ambient sounds recorder that records every click of the camera, everything that we say, and uh, this this kind of thing. And it's really uh, exciting when you when you listen to it after we did when we got back to Austin. Uh, you hear. Uh, when we, for the first time in the history of our entire project, when we hear these strong magnetic pulses from the UFO and suddenly it reverses direction, one of the two, and you hear this, uh, and it did this numbers of times. I mean, you hear us jumping up and down and shouting. I mean, it, it, we really uh, had a shot of adrenaline with that. Now, as we left, as the objects disappeared and we put up our equipment and headed west on uh, Tard Roswell to have dinner, we got to talking, and I said, did you guys feel that feeling just before these things showed up? I said, I felt it really strongly, as I did from even the very first time I ever saw a UFO in uh, the 1950s and uh, the mid-1950s. They both said they did, and I said, well, I said, I would think this must have been some kind of a, a psychic signal from the occupants. And the, one of our other two crew members there was a, uh, a hard-headed businessman. Ray, Ray, hold on a second. You said you felt that this was a psychic signal from the occupants. I, I thought it might be. I couldn't explain it. I had, you know, my first. Did anybody else? This, did anybody else, uh, uh, you know, suggest that they also kind of felt some sort of uh, sensation? Well, yes, what, what, what kind of surprised me? I asked them if they felt it, but I was very surprised to say that both of them did. But the, the one man who is a... Uh, Let me just ask man. you, though, before you go on with that, Ray. Okay, okay, you felt this impression. Describe it in more detail. How okay. do you feel, why do you feel it would come from the occupants of these UFOs? But I don't feel that. I, I want to explain that. I don't feel that. I did at the time and had since the 1950s. But this experience changed my mind, as you'll see. Now, the feeling is one that I call euphoria. E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A means a strong sense of well-being or even a false sense of well-being. But I spell it with U-F-O-R-I-A because what we've found out is that when these things get within about 20 miles of us, you can learn to feel this. But I did not know at the time that that is what this was that I'd experienced in UFO encounters since uh, June 10th, 1953 or 54, whichever it was. And uh, I had interpreted it as some kind of a psychic interface with uh, the occupants. Well, okay, this so this euphoria mind. could be maybe an outgrowth of the radiation they generate when they fly around yes. in the vicinity? Let me explain. Uh, the, the, the businessman who was with us and one of our big financiers, he said, look, right, this was nothing psychic. He said, I'm as psychic as a, as a glass doorknob. He said, you know, <laughs> this was so physical you could cut That's it. That's like my middle name, knife. psychic as a glass doorknob. 
Yeah, maybe he said brass. Either one, they rhyme. And uh, but what happened is he, he said, "Look, I can tell you, you know how psychic I'm not." He said, "This was something physiological." Well, when we had gone on and had the amazing experiences in the next uh, few days and that night, uh, we went out to California to the company that had made our equipment, and they analogged this, and we saw that. Uh, a large part of the extreme low frequency magnetism that these objects were emitting was in the range of deep, restful sleep. Well, I did some research in depth upon studies not at all related to UFOs in laboratories uh, studying the reaction of the human nervous system and brain, which is nervous system, of course, uh, to extreme low frequency magnetism. And I found out that, uh, for one thing, that when the brain system encounters those that are in that natural physiological range by means that which they don't quite understand at least didn't then it starts replicating them it starts copying it's kind of like i give you an analogy you uh you're around a person you really admire and they're from another country and then you're much embarrassed an hour later you're suddenly talking in their accent <laughs> you know, maybe you know yeah but when you say replication something hits me here of all the thousands of people who've seen ufos maybe millions of people how many experience this euphoria, this effect, when they are in the vicinity of a sighting? Is this something that's happening over and over again? In, it is mentioned in the literature, not by my name, unless somebody's picked up on my telling it publicly. But uh, let me point out that these may be one-event cases, and you don't make a correlation. For example, all those years and the encounters I had had, I didn't make that correlation, of course, that it was physiological, but others with me had experienced it, but I was really pleased and surprised that these guys did that day. Anyway, we kept on going down the highway, and, uh, oh, lo and behold, a cloud, a small one of these real light clouds moved out of the way, and here was a beautiful thing shaped like a cylinder, glowing an incredible, deep, rich emerald, the most beautiful Kelly or best quality emerald you could imagine, green, and suddenly off the end of it, two parallel streaks started projecting out. They were as fine as if you drew them with a sharp draftsman's pencil. And they they went out like rails being projected out of the thing. And oh boy, of course, uh, we threw on the brakes and we're going to stop and get our things. And at that point, another cloud, little cloud, moved in front of it. But before we could get our equipment out, the cloud moved out of the way, and it was no longer there. But uh, So that's one of the fish that got away. But they didn't get away that night, fortunately, because we followed what we had been told by the very nice lady in Austin. And we went right on, had dinner at Roswell, and went right on past uh, Carrizoto, which is just north of the highway in New Mexico, north of the White Sand Freeing Range. And uh, we got to a point just a little to the northwest of a huge peak there called Oscura, O-S-C-U-R-A, peak. You can get up on top of there if you were had clearance, and you could look over and see where the first nuclear bomb was set off at the Jornada de Muerto in New Mexico. Well, anyway, we're driving along there, and I'm, as, I'm driving at that time, and I'm as tired as I can be because we'd spent most of the night before packing up. And so we're just really dragged out at that point. All of a sudden, I felt the euphoria so strong, which is a sense of extreme well-being, that, I mean, I had not ever experienced it that strong, perhaps. And I said to the other two, I said, my gosh, do you guys feel that? And uh, one of the two people was my wife. And she said, I, I really, this is incredible. She said, it's so strong. And uh, the, the other fellow, the businessman, said, yes, 
this is incredible. I said, look, it's so strong. I wouldn't be surprised if one of those things showed up right in front of us, right down the road. I'll tell you right what, that's the cliffhanger now. right down the road. Ray Stanford joining us this week. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. And we're talking about some incredible UFO-related encounters in and around White Sands, starting in Texas, moving to New Mexico. And I want to get the geography straight in a moment. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Ray Stanford joins us this week on the Paracast. We're talking about very fascinating UFO encounters in and around White Sands. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. A question of geography before we go into this later case. When you first saw the thing in Texas, how far was that from White Sands? That was, uh, I don't know the mileage, uh, but Plains, Texas is, uh, is right out in the middle of the highway that runs on the north, well, there's a highway that runs on the north side of White Sands, and if you go east on it from White Sands, go through Roswell, it goes right on into West Texas, and it's uh, about, I don't know, uh, I'm from South Texas, Texas is a big place, but it's right in the middle of that uh, part of Texas that sticks out there and comes to a, a point out into uh, So you, you were like three, three, four hundred miles away at that point then? I, I don't I don't know, I don't think it was I, I, I don't really know to tell you the truth. Uh, I don't think it was quite 400 miles. It might have been though, because it it took us. It was dark when we got into Roswell and and got uh, dinner, and uh, it was uh, at 11:35 when uh, when we just broke off, and we were having this feeling very strongly. Let's return to what we were talking about before the break. Now, your wife felt the same kind of euphoria that you felt, right? Yes, as did uh, the other person. Right. Okay. Go on, please, with a description of what okay. happened next. Okay, what happened is, and I, I, I explained, I said, it's so strong, I wouldn't be surprised if one of these things appeared right down the road right now. At that instant, it appeared. Now, the thing was shaped like the Socorro object, a very elongated ellipse or egg shape. You stretched out an egg. And the surface of it was glowing the reddest red I've ever seen. It, it made, we had a helium neon laser back at our lab and it would make that thing look orange it was so long red toward the infrared wavelength and it was flashing at one rate 
But there was a corona out around it, not coming off the surface, but that formed out some distance from the surface that was flashing at a different rate. And this corona was the same color. It was absent for about 40 degrees in the direction of travel. And uh, these uh, egg-shaped objects would travel just a little tilted a bit off of their uh, axis of straight ahead. But you'd see this, you could imagine maybe there was a, I don't know if it was a magnetic vent or what there that the plasma was not there, but you could see this seeming plasma red uh, in the, the corona out around, and then the, the surface uh, had the same color. As I said, though, they were flashing at two different rates, as we documented on uh, film, and were able to subsequently measure. Well, of course, we jumped out of the, the uh, Silverado and uh, took out all the equipment, and this time we effectively we got out, and I deployed about 300 feet from the highway and the, the vehicle, the gravimeter sensor, and about 250 feet away, I deployed the uh, magnetometer sensor, and just as I am finished uh, setting up the, the two sensors, I had set my uh, spectral ca spectrum camera on the back of the, the van, and uh, my wife screamed, Ray, Ray, get the spectrum, get a spectrum, get a spectrum. I turned around, and lo and behold, the, the red object was no longer a red object, and it wasn't moving to the northwest. It was moving straight down. It was huge. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, the, the weird thing about it was that it was not, but it was it was bright, but there was no glare. It's as if it almost looked like a cutout uh, oval. It wasn't the long uh, ellipsoid. It looked completely flat and like a cutout oval, more of an oval than an actual uh, ellipse shape. And, well, like uh, it was two dimensional. Like it yes, it looked two dimensional. I had I had had an experience of seeing objects like this before. I read them in the, the literature, but. Somehow, when one this you know this big and this close, this red thing has suddenly become like this. You're, well, I, I ran over and lay my hands on the spectrum camera. She knew it was so big and so bright. You should be able to get a big, huge, wonderful spectrum. The moment I put my hands on the camera, the thing made a ninety degree turn with visual instantaneity, continued to the north, and uh, if I remember correctly, it was to the north instead of the south in that case. And it uh, it became the object with, that we had first seen. And uh, this was very strange, and I was, of course, infuriated and upset that I had missed the spectrum of it because that would give a far clearer, sharper spectrum than, than uh, the, the red object, which is actually much smaller. Fortunately, during that vertical descent, the uh, gentleman that was with us that was operating the uh, uh, 35-millimeter film camera with 300-millimeter uh, telephoto took a time exposure during the dive. And believe me, uh, what was recorded is most remarkable. I did, uh, at, at uh, Drizzle Bryan's encouragement yesterday, I did succeed in finding that slide, and I'm going to uh, scan it. And uh, it, it is, well, if you imagine a 35-millimeter uh, film frame, uh, this thing is about one-third, maybe a little better, uh, wide, right in the middle of the night sky, the black sky, and uh, it goes all the way from top to bottom because he just opened it after the dive had begun and closed it before the dive ended because he didn't want to move the camera and it had gone out of the range of the 300 millimeter lens. Uh, and so he, he had it on a tripod then in order to take the time exposure. He had it on a tripod exposed. and he had, uh, he had uh, the cable release so not vibrate the tripod and camera. And uh, so... Uh, it, what it shows is bizarre. It, uh, it's whitish, but it has interlocking diamonds on it that are, 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 are suddenly darker, like they're, they're interlocking long uh, rhombuses, rhombic 
shapes, uh, to be more specific about the shape. Now, on the, the left side of this kind of a whitish, ivory color kind of uh, a vertical uh, array that it produced, on the, the left side it looks redder, and it, it may have been the illusion of the, red, the left side looking redder, but it looks like the right side might be a little more on the blue side. I'll get to analyze that when I get to checking it out in analysis uh, once I've got it scanned, but um, it's it's quite uh, it's quite strange. What would make that we didn't see any diamond shapes? It's just this big oval thing, very bright but not glary. Well, now, Ray, why do you think those diamond shapes appeared in a time exposure uh, image? It doesn't sound physically possible well, for for well, that to happen. We're talking about high speed phenomena that are, are too fast for the eye to see. You know, uh, you, you get over uh, you know about. 12 frames a second, and the eye starts flicker-fusing uh, uh, things, you know, in a movie, or they're a little faster, TV frames, and so on and so forth. Uh, the eye would, would summate, and we don't know, we don't know the frequency uh, of the appearance. Uh, we don't know if these diamonds were, were one group at a time, or one at a time, or how they appeared. And uh, all of that uh, makes it very uh, understandable that when, you, when you're dealing in first place in, in high-energy physics, most of the stuff goes on at a speed that uh, the human eye does not catch. That's why your research cameras on plasma can record several million frames a second, because you can have the uh, plasma build up and, and completely go in far less than a millionth of a second. So we don't know. We can't speculate at this point about what was producing those diamonds. The curious thing about this event is it's a dramatic event, and, of course, we graphically remembered it. But when we got back to Austin uh, and played the entire ambient tape of every camera click and every reaction, every word we said, we were shocked because it happened a second time not long after that. And we had zero, we would have sworn that it only happened once. But you hear us reacting to it, describing it a second time. Okay, this and is we, something I don't understand, so we're going to have to approach this in more detail in a moment. Okay, you're saying, Ray, that you remember one experience like this, but as soon as you checked your data, it was two. That's right. Oh, okay. The recording. All right. <laughs> So you have no a little mini missing time episode there or something. Or it well, sounds like things were going so time. fast and furious that you really it's kind of hard to keep uh, everything. Uh, well, I, I think there's probably a very easy physiological explanation for this. Uh, when you're when strong extreme low frequency magnetic uh, field is impinging your uh, your brain, it begins to replicate it. Well, this was in the range of deep restful sleep. I think it can induce amnesia. I believe that this has been demonstrated in the laboratory. I can't cite the literature right now, but I believe that I've read about this. And uh, uh, let me mention an interesting fact in relationship to this. I'm sure that, Gene, that you've heard of cases where the husband of a wife gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. They look out the window, and here is this incredible... Uh, object right out there like it's landing or almost going to land in their yard and i'll tell you what though we're going to have to discuss that in our next segment we have ray stanford we're discussing some really fascinating ufo encounters starting in texas moving on to near white sands new mexico the co-host is chris o'brien i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast You are about to enter another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a journey into a sinister land of secret rites, passwords, initiations, and handshakes, where the truth remains hidden and history is controlled by an elite group of 
mysterious men. Imagine, if you will, that I'm holding a book in my hands that explains this secret history and that the name of this book is Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Here is described centuries of dark dealing, lies, murder, mayhem, and cover-ups in the pursuit of unimaginable money and power. My name is Brad Steiger, and the stories you are about to read may have actually happened at the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Have you ever felt like the United States government knows way too much about your financial affairs? I continue to hear stories about property seizures, frozen bank accounts, confiscation of stocks and bonds. It makes me wonder if the U.S. citizen will ever again have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Unfortunately, with the Drug and Money Laundering Act, the IRS Revenue Ruling 6045 of 1984, and the Trading with the Enemy Act and Franklin D. Roosevelt's Executive Order of 1933, some precious metal holdings are subject to government intervention. For this reason, Midas Resources has prepared a report explaining the boundaries of trading precious metals privately. Whether if you have any intention of trading with Midas Resources or not, I have instructed my representatives to give this report out free. Call for your free copy at 1-800-686-2237. When investing, always proceed with caution. Again, call 1-800-686-2237. Exercise your legal right to trade metals privately. 1-800-686-2237. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish at M10 gas masks are 3 for $30. And Swiss filters are 3 for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com or call 877-608-0179 877-608-0179 MainMilitary.com The main name in military supply. When you hear the words water purification what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride? Add less than two cents per gallon. Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water. Remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. Bringing you the best in alternative talk radio for over 10 years. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to 
news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com. Ray Stanford joining us. We're talking with Chris O'Brien, who's the co-host this week. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. And now we're trying to look at the background here where you remember one in instance and it becomes two and you were going on with the background for this it was two different instances uh, uh it wasn't the same incident we didn't remember it twice it actually occurred because the tape recorder which is not subject to the effects of the <laughs> extreme ovc magnetic field was recording the whole time and you hear everything we say in there and so there's no lost time there's no missing time it's just that we don't remember it in other words there is yeah but that's the other question too isn't missing time fundamentally losing your memory of what might have happened? Wouldn't that be the same thing? Well, yeah, it certainly could be. Yes, it certainly could be. I, I don't know if the mechanism's the same or not, because allegedly, according to the literature of the current belief system, uh, this is, you're abducted. We don't know if there is an active field with a, you know, a craft with a magnetic field that could be doing this. We just don't know. Nobody studied it. All I can talk about from the standpoint of science is what we recorded and saw. It, it might be analogous to it. It might not. It's hard to say. So maybe, though, if you didn't record it, maybe you would suddenly have a missing time episode that you couldn't pinpoint or explain. Oh, sure you you could. Uh, Well, I I have a question. question. Did you have your time clock set up? Did you have your baseline uh, time time code going? Oh, yes. All of this. So so you did. Okay. So there's no question. The binary time uh, is being recorded uh, with the the, the gravitic and the magnetic signal. And we were getting strong, extreme low frequency magnetic signals that... uh, were just uh, fascinating because uh, when one of these, they were clearly showing off, and it turned, they were showing off to gigantic lighted panels on the top of a scooter peak that were being sequenced at such high speed. Okay, okay before, oh, hold on, Ray, Ray we're getting ahead of ourselves here a little bit. Let's go ahead and set the stage. Where were you in relation to Oscura Peak? How far away? How much time elapsed before these objects started interacting? When did you first notice that there were lighted panels? Let's set it up a little bit. Okay. Just a minute. Let me, July 27th, uh, I'm trying to get, you know, July 19th. Okay. Now, uh, let me tell you, uh, I'm looking at my photo log here, and uh, we were on Highway, let's see, uh, where there, there are two cases. I'll make sure I'm not giving you the date on the wrong one. Okay. On the one uh, there, we were on Highway 380 at 31.6 miles east of Interstate Highway 25, and we were 219.8 miles west of the daytime event of the same day that I mentioned earlier, and we were... 42.7 miles out of Socorro, New Mexico, and we were 34.3 miles west of the intersection of 380 and Highway 54 in Carrizozo, New Mexico, which is on the north edge of the White Sands Proving Ground, where we were. And how far away from Oscura Peak were you at this point? Well, we don't know. We haven't measured the exact distance. It was really, really pretty close uh, because these things were. I forget. We have we have that in the data because these objects would maneuver right in front of the panels, and uh, we were able to uh, determine there was a, a strong seven second sound, awesome sound, that we recorded repeatedly, and uh, it only occurred. You couldn't hear anything. 
except it was this sound would come on three and a half seconds before the reversal of direction and continue for three and a half seconds after the reversal of direction. This is not based on our guesswork. It's based on the actual recordings and film that we have. Now, well, well, first uh, we, of all, you've mentioned these panels. Uh, our listeners, are, I think, might be a little confused at this point. We haven't really uh, gone into uh, what the panels were. Why don't you, why don't you, uh, you know, kind okay. of bring everybody they up were, to speed? Uh, if you were to pass by there or pull up a, an image of the Scooter Peak, if there are any on the Internet, I haven't checked. You would see that uh, right, they weren't right at the top, but a little way down from the top. They would have to be, I suppose, several miles in diameter. I don't know if they went completely around the top. They were certainly on our side, the northwest side, and, and on the north side of it. These panels must have been gigantic. I would say that they, they could have been 100 feet high, each one. Wow. And uh, they, were, they were rectangular or square, and uh, they had clearly been built there for the purpose of communicating with these objects. In fact, we joked about uh, some Air Force colonel watching uh, close encounters of the third kind, which had come out <laughs> the December before, and decided, wait, hey, heck, let's have a, a try at it. And since they had an order to get intelligence by any means possible, why not try to communicate? Well, maybe they had that idea even beforehand, because as it turned out, uh, late that year, uh, the late uh, Dick Hall, Richard Hall, uh, well-known UFO researcher, who was a close friend of the late Donald E. Kehoe, who wrote those early books on UFOs that were so interesting, uh, Don Kehoe had told him, he said, that in the summer of 1978, the U.S. government planned to attempt to communicate with aliens operating UFOs. Now, Richard Let me ask you a fast question here, Ray. Ray, please. Let me sure. ask you a fast question about Donald Kehoe. Sure. Did Major Kehoe mention this? in any of his books? Oh, no. Now, he didn't have any books at this time period. This is 1970. He had quit writing books by this time. Okay. He told Richard, he said that a high-up source in the government, you know, uh, he was, Kehoe was, was famous for this, having a lot of high-up contacts, and he had been a, a major in, in the Marine Corps uh, before he retired. But that was years before. And uh, But he had high-up contacts that I guess he had maintained. And that's what he told Richard. Richard did not know about this, you know, when he came out with it. We had not come out with this uh, publicly. And Richard, uh, however, came out and said that this is what Kehoe had told him. He, he had said this in the context of mentioning that 1978 was one of the biggest flap years, possibly the biggest flap in the history of UFOs. He said it was certainly the case in other countries, but that the, the data in the U.S. also looked like it was uh, on par, perhaps, with the rest of the world. And he mentioned it in that context, not knowing that, of course, that we had encountered this actual contact going on, which we think was possibly a first contact, at least with whatever kind of intelligence is, uh, this might have been. Is there any documentation from Richard Hall about what went on here with his interaction with Major Kehoe? Uh, you'd have to ask whoever has his uh, his correspondence and his close personal friends. I, I don't know how you would find out about this. It was in one of the UFO publications, too, one of the... Uh, I hope to come across it again. I'm, I'm pretty sure, uh, that I, although I think I saw this somewhere on the Internet, I'm pretty sure I saw it in physical print in, in some UFO publication. Uh, it possibly that, was there a newsstand publication back out as late as, as 78, 79, 80? There were some newsstand was, publications, but they tended to be published by, as they say, organizations <laughs> that weren't so pleased with presenting accurate information. They were just yeah. publishers. Well, they, they, uh, the only one I know was, was called Official UFO, and I think they were pretty much at, uh, at uh, <laughs> you know, whatever was, was pitched at them that they could 
could use. I think they. Uh, yeah, that was the one. I think Byron Fass was the owner of that particular publication, official UFO, and it was, it was junk books. Basically, they would get advances, cash advances from distributors for a certain number of books, and they would live on their cash advances. So they would put out well, more I'm books. UFOs doesn't magazine, matter. Magazine, sure, that magazine that existed for years. They not, call not, them not books. books. They call yeah. them books in those days. The publishers they say, you know, we'll get ten books and get ten advances. Yeah. I bet you one of our Paracast uh, forum uh, visitors is, so, is diving into this right now as we uh, speak. I'll tell you what, before they dive in, before it. we dive in further into what happened here, we have Ray Stanford. We're talking about UFO encounters in and around White Sands, New Mexico, starting in Texas, and about the aftermath of that. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. As you know, the PowerCast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. With more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers. For listeners of the PowerCast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider, for example, is Above Top Secret, the worldwide UFO cover-up by Timothy Good. Timothy Good, as you know, has been a guest on the PowerCast. Yet another book worth considering from Audible.com is Lies and Deception, UFOs and the Secret Agenda, from Timothy Good once again, and also from our old friend Nick Pope. As you know, Nick Pope has also been on the PowerCast. This is another book that you're definitely going to want to check out. For this book or another free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash PowerCast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash PowerCast. Thousands of Americans are facing evacuation. If you or any of your loved ones might need to evacuate, you must do it yourselves. Please don't procrastinate until they do it for you. Remember the terrible conditions of those that didn't get out for Katrina. Go right now to eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex or call 800-409-5633 for information on the new evacuation pack. It contains two weeks of delicious, easy-to-fix food along with the equipment to prepare it. It's packed in a rugged, heavy-duty tote for transport. Evacuations are looming with the storms and the Gulf oil catastrophe. No matter where you live, wildfires, earthquakes, floods, and storms must be escaped. Don't be like a deer frozen in the headlights of oncoming disaster. At least prepare yourself with this two-week evacuation pack from eFoodsDirect.com. Call 800-409-5633. On the web, eFoodsDirect.com slash Alex. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. 
If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. It's good stuff. We are the GCN Radio Network. Genesis. Genesis. This is Philip Rodno. You're listening to Paracast, one of the most informative shows out there. So listen closely. We have another session with Ray Stanford. We're talking about some incredible UFO encounters in which he participated, in which he got some interesting sorts of evidence. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, you want to follow up with Ray about this stuff? Okay, so just just to um, just to make sure that uh, we get a kind of a visual idea of what's going on. You're approximately. I, I think I looked at a map at one point when you told me the story. You were about seven, I think, or so miles away, um, just outside of the boundary of the White Sands Proving Grounds. You were looking uh, at Oscura Peak. You all of a sudden are aware of these large, about 100 foot high, and who knows how, how lo- uh, long they were in terms of their, you know, Yeah, they went all the size. way around, side by side, all the way around the peak. Right. Now, and here's the, here, go ahead. let me mention this. If you had been driving down there, you would have thought it was a continuous weird band that had a, an odd drop-off. You know when you're at a, these new traffic lights, they're like a, what's called a Fresnel lens. You get off the side, you can't see them. And right. they don't get real bright. Well, these panels were that way. They got sharply dim as they went around the thing, and they, apparently they had that kind of a character to them. But as you looked at them, you just swore they were continuous. But uh, my wife happened to turn and see them through the side of her eyes, which is more sensitive, and she said, hey, guys, those aren't continuous. Those things are sequencing. And we didn't believe it at first, but we turned and saw them from the side, and they were. And we took different exposures of different time durations, and we proved conclusively we have photos showing, you know, the breaks in them as they're sequencing. Wow. Okay, well, continue. So they, in other words, they didn't want to be seen as something sequencing up there, I think, by the traffic passing by, but they were they were sequencing all the while, and I suspect there was also data on the individual panels. I could be wrong, but let me say that I think that that big white appearance we saw, may, may I take a moment and explain what we deduced afterward might have happened to cause yeah. it to turn toward us and show that big Absolutely. white? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we were new arrivals. I mean, we'd driven up there, and all of a sudden we saw this thing, and uh, it didn't take us long to stop the van, get out, and uh, start getting the equipment ready. I was out uh, deploying the things, but it, I'm pretty fast. And, uh, and my wife screams, get a spectrum, get a spectrum. Well, it had made this turn and showed this incredible, mysterious, sharp-edged, huge white uh, shape and oval. And uh, we think there's a serious possibility this normally was programmed to be turned toward the source interested in them on the peaks, but that somehow that this is 
possibly psi-responsive, mind-thought-responsive uh, technology, as uh, a lot of the reports would almost convince us it is, and that it locked on to us as the newcomers, and it took them a while to realize, and a second time it flipped back on us that we didn't remember, but they, then they stopped. It never happened again because I think they realized they were picking up on these jerks on the highway instead of the government people on the peak. Uh, that's a that's a bit of a stretch. It's kind of hard to to just uh, accept that at face value. But you know, of course, not being there, it's hard for me to to, to be judgmental about that. But that's a very interesting observation. Wait, what do you mean by stretch? I mean, what part is, is a stretch for you? Well, in terms of of you uh, thinking that uh, you were uh, somehow involved, uh, that they recognized you, the pilots of these craft, that they recognized you, and somehow uh, they were uh, doing something for your benefit. I I think okay. I think no 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 I didn't no no I never said that, and nor did they okay. do it for our benefit that we believe. They locked on to our thoughts. UFOs, you know, people say again and well, again, I don't know how they go. knew, uh, but Ray, they knew Ray, I was Hold on. In other words, you, you, you surmise this. This is your hypothesis. They, we surmise they locked on to us. Yeah. Okay, so no, they didn't seek any... you out. You just happened to be there. They would have sought out or no, locked no, on to somebody, out. whoever was there. I think, I think they're watching a censor locked onto a snip early and turned that panel on once and then a shorter time later on. That's all. I think that they quickly realized the mistake, probably, and, and put it over at White Sand because let me put it in the temporal context. Now, what I described to you, each event only happened, uh, you know, a short number of seconds when, this, when we saw this. But these objects did maneuvering for the, the light system up on that peak for... 35 minutes. I don't know how long they've been doing before we got there, but we, we monitored it and filmed it and recorded it for 35 minutes. It was only a few seconds the first time, or I would have gotten the spectrum, and a few seconds the second time, and that was all. And so it suggests an accident to us. Okay, Ray, what does the film show? If we look at the film, what are we seeing? We don't have movie film. Uh, the ASA on that film in there, of course, was when they, when he's got the filters in and so on and so forth, there's only 25 ASA. And we would have gotten the, the white object, but we, we didn't. Uh, I was you know, deploying back to and grab me. We, what we got was light spectra, which was very important. We did get light spectra and of both of the objects in their red phase simultaneously. Now, what is really exciting to me from the standpoint of physics about this is that it, it was first place was the kind of light that no known aircraft would emit. It was one single line light. That is to say, one exact wavelength of light in the in the near infrared red uh, spectrum. And uh, this is this infrared film or standard film? No, 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 no. We're we're using standard. Uh, we were using. We uh, we. I think now we should have been using. Uh, uh, as a color film, ISO color film, but uh, the uh, our physicists had talked us into using uh, uh, black and white uh, triax film, I believe it was, and uh, which, in my opinion, was a mistake. It would, I've been much happier with color, but he said that the lines might be easier to measure and not bleed into each other with this uh, this type of film, and he might have been right. But in any case, we got spectra, and. Uh, the single line of light is emitted when an atom, when the electrons of an atom get energy pumped so much that they can't remain where they normally are, and they pop out to an, uh, an outer energy shell that they're not normally in, and that nature tends to forbid. And there's the tendency to, to drop back in, but to drop back in, they have to emit as photons the energy 
that they had absorbed. And so when they dropped back, they met a single discrete wavelength of light that we call single line light because it produces a single line on the spectrum. And this in itself could not have resulted from photographing any aircraft, conditional aircraft, or probably even experimental aircraft in the sky, at least at that time. Now, but there was a better than that. There was icing on the cake. That single line displayed a phenomenon called line splitting. And uh, there are two things, and only two things, that can produce line splitting. One is that the light is being emitted in the presence of a very strong electromagnetic field, or that it is being produced in the presence of a very strong electrical field. And it happens that magnetohydynamic propulsion produces both conditions. So here we felt that we had a spectral, spectral confirmation of, uh, of a very strong electrical field and then probably a very strong magnetic field. Anyway, it broke the single line down into, I'm trying to remember, it was either four or six components. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's four or six components. And so this makes it not only exotic, it, it makes it exotic to the nth degree uh, because it shows uh, either one or both of these effects of, of line splitting of a single line of light. And thus, the evidence of the specter is that absolutely they show us that something most extraordinary uh, was emitting that light. And, and Ray, you, you, you're going to allow us to go ahead and, and post this, uh, this, uh, this data on the Paracast Forum website, correct? Well, I'm going to let you post uh, some uh pictures that was taken through the 300 millimeter telephoto on color film of the object uh, when what was interesting was that at one point these objects had well, let me let me kind of lay this out let's suppose that you're in the way up high looking down on a scooter peak and us parked down on the highway to the northeast of there and uh, if you look off to the northwest out uh, oh as a crow flies probably you know 38 to 41 miles there's Socorro New Mexico that's not an accurate theory on the top of my head, but it's approximate. Okay, what would happen is that these objects would appear right within a short distance of the panels. In fact, sometimes you would swear, you know, they were within, you know, a, a length of the object or two from the panels. For give you an example, one would appear high up in the sky and one would appear very low, almost down toward the base of the mountain, and they would head toward each other like they were going to hit. And they didn't, or what? We'll have to talk about that in a moment. They move at high speed, and suddenly, within a few diameters of each other, both have made a right-angle turn and are moving off towards the coral. I'll tell you what, we'll talk about that in a moment. We have Ray Stanford. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S 
Attack, Attack of the Rockwood, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. We'll say it again. All types of batteries for all types of gadgets. Electronics, toys, flashlights, computers, accessories, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Whatever type battery you need, alkaline, lithium, gel cell, NICAT, metal hydride, sealed lead acid, and more are at BatteryStation.com. Our homepage gives you quick access to ham, marine, police, fire, and aviation batteries. Plus, choose from our great selection of LED flashlights with no bulb to ever burn out and much longer battery life. Find many top brands, including Streamlight, Pelican, Surefire, Novatac, Gerber, and more at BatteryStation.com. You'll also find the most popular brands of ammunition and watertight cases for storing guns, food, electronics, survival gear, and more at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799. That's 417-257-7799. You will be surprised when you visit BatteryStation.com. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. You guys are awesome. I love the station. I really do. GCN. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Ray Stanford joining us. We're talking about this amazing series of UFO sightings, and I want to remind you we have forum.thepowercast.com, and we have some stuff that will be posted by the time you hear this show, and then you're free to comment on it or not. 
Ray <laughs> will be continuing to explain what he has. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so where are we here? The objects are moving towards one another? They moved uh, in a vertical line, one moving up, one moved down toward each other, and they get just a few diameters from each other, and suddenly, visually, with visual instantaneity, they are not moving toward each other, but both are moving parallel courses off towards the crow. And they would go over to a distance that we think probably was the crow, and then they would instantly appear back over by the panels. Now, the interesting thing was we took time exposures as they were getting over near Sakura and left the shutter open. Even though you don't see it with the eye, if you look carefully in those shots, you will see a slight streak of light that goes from over there by Sakura to right near the panels in that short time of the exposure. And uh, that, that part of the exposure, since it, once the object disappeared, the exposure was cut off. So, in other words, within probably a fraction of a second to a second of when the object disappeared at the, in the score direction, the, the shutter was closed. So they went that fast back over to the panels, which would, as I said, be 30-some-odd miles. Wow. In, yeah, probably a fraction of a second. That's smokingly fast. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it should. And let me, let me say this. That wasn't the, they, they, constantly for 35 minutes they were doing these kinds of maneuvers. Another, another uh, maneuver would be that uh, they would head toward each other on a horizontal path. And uh, they would suddenly, on the horizontal path, one would suddenly be going backward. The one that was in the score direction would be going backward, and then they would both head the same distance together toward Socorro. Now, you could see them get smaller and smaller with distance. Then they would visually suddenly appear right over here at the things, even though our, our, our shot or two of that shows that there is a record of them moving across. So, now, so you're sure it was the same two objects, that it wasn't two additional no question, objects? No question. No okay. question. They were unique as you know, your fingerprint. Anyway, Let me these, ask you a question now. When you mention all this, okay, it's yep. the three of you came in your car and everything. Are there any records of, of anyone else seeing any no. of this stuff? I, I'm not aware of anybody even coming along the highway that time of night. It began it. It was on a weekday night. Now, let me mention one case. There was a lady traveling on the highway that night. They contacted me. I went into the car and, and visited with the people at the newspaper there that, uh, of course, I'd been in contact with when I was there. The original score investigation this is all those years later, 14 years later. But through the newspaper, uh, they, uh, they told me they ought to call this lady that she had contacted them. There was a lady that had been dry. Her husband was a, a fairly high person in the Bureau of Land Management, and uh, she had two uh, young sons that were traveling in the car with her, they had been traveling, I think they were coming from Carrizozo. And uh, uh, at some point, I don't remember the exact time, if it was before we got there and encountered these and they were, you know, it was going on then or what, but uh, she didn't report the, the red object. She reported that as she was driving along there, this bright object showed up in her rear view mirror, and you know, she turned around and looked. The boys were sleeping. She turned around and looked, and she said it looked like nothing so much as the moon. Well, the full moon was up that night, but this wasn't the moon. And she said it had it had structures, uh, kind of, I guess, hexagonal interfacing structures on its surface. And it followed them for a while. She kept thinking, maybe I'll wake the kids. But then she realized that, you know, this might be too much for them, and she didn't. But anyway, Did the newspaper she, report, report this? Did they? Uh, no, no, they, they didn't report it. But uh, this lady and her husband retired from BLM, and, and they moved, in fact, to... Uh, not to, uh, well, in, into to central Texas, down uh, near uh, uh, Aquero, Texas, but which means Turkey in Spanish, by the way. Anyway, uh, and we became good friends. She and her husband had, had a really incredible observation of a UFO. And uh, interestingly, also, she lived, she and her husband lived next door to the guy that was uh, 
the manager, I believe was the term, for the very large array of radio telescopes. I won't go into that, but I'll get off the topic. But you run into interesting people in this, in, on this journey, I'd say. But six let me degrees tell of separation. You that one of, huh? I said six yeah. degrees of separation. It's a small world. Six degrees? Uh, I don't In other know words, it's a small about. world. It's amazing uh, some of the coincidences out there. But, but continue, oh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, how far into the actual experience you. are you now? How far into uh, the 35 minutes are you? Uh, you've described the, the, um, the vertical. Oh, about halfway. Movement. About halfway? Now, okay. Let All me right, tell continue. This. We, at one point, both of the objects appeared some distance apart, and they both were moving towards the coral, but they're still very close to us and very close to the, uh, the panels and feet. And I said... This time, that one in back is going to come up and dock with the other one. Now, get this. This is an irrational statement, and I had no rational basis for it. It was, I don't know why I said it. And the funny thing was that the other two of us there fully agreed with me without questioning, you know, Ray, are you losing your bananas? I mean, what's happening here? And, and, and this is all on the uh, analog uh, audio tape. That's, it's all that's on the like tape. The all can be heard on the tape. And also, we have wonderful sound of this incredible, deep, rumble with subsonics the seven second rumble associated with the turns we have that are you thing. going to post a copy of that recording that we can listen to no no we won't we won't publish that but uh, we we might be able to if i i don't know anything about audio but if, if chris were here i i could let him copy one example of the rumble and and our reaction to it but let me let me finish this story before i forget the end of it then i start counting down i know when they're going to to do this i used to launch a lot of uh, good-sized rockets that I built on Padre Island, and I'm good at counting down seconds, and I said, it's going to be 10, 9, 8, and you hear me on the counting down, and exactly when I get to zero, they dock, and they start tumbling along the line of travel. Now, this is what people will be able to see on the Paracast website, if you guys are willing to, to post it. The, oh, absolutely. The two objects connected as they're tumbling and at one point you'll see that they begin to show up as almost geometric figures you'll see some that look like they're triangles and it's all this pure 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 red that was the reddest red i'd ever seen except if you look very carefully you will see on the left side of where they start tumbling on opposite sides little tiny round bright blue bleeps and you'll also see a couple of them not as vertical relative to each other along the tumbling uh, near the middle, but they're much fainter. Now, the, these bleeps probably only occurred at, you know, 500,000 of a second uh, timing. There, It was so sharp that our eyes did not apprehend that part at all. You know, Ray, while but, you're talking, I want to go back to the sound recordings. This is on a cassette recording? It's a what? It's a tape cassette, 1970s? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, okay, so the tape cassette's trivial to convert that to digital and post it. So why not? Yeah, it's, it's easy. Well, I, I, I would not send out original data to the mail. No, no, we're not asking you to send it out. We're asking you to make some kind of arrangement, maybe to have a copy made, a digital copy made. There, I, I you can basically plug a, the audio output a into a personal computer. That's why I said if you were here and brought your equipment, I, I could do it. But well, we're going to make know, that happen. I, Ray. We'd love to get uh, we'd love to get an example of this audio recording on on the Paracast, uh, so people can actually yeah. uh, hear yeah, this wonderful well, this wonderful I, physical. What would be uh, neat is to have the one where our operator. We had an expensive pointing microphone, and he's supposed to be pointing it at the object, when, you know, and it's making this incredible sound. But he gets so excited, he forgets, and you, 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 you hear this rumble, and all of a sudden, in the midst of it, you hear this boom, boom, boom. He got so excited, he's beating the microphone against his left thigh and screaming, <laughs> listen at that, listen at that. Ray, let me explain something to you here. 
Ray, all you have to do is take a cassette recorder and plug the output into the input of a personal computer, use a very simple, basic audio program. I bet Chris can talk you through this on the oh, telephone. Oh, absolutely. And my pleasure. I would love to do that, actually. Well, if I've got the software that would do that, I don't know if I do. Yeah, well, there is so much open source audio yeah, software yeah, that does this. get it free this. online, right? Well, you'd have to, you'd have to hand. I mean, I, I am a computer ignoramus, and so you no, have I'll to. Help you, I'll, I'll help you on the phone. Help. We'll go th- every step of the way. This is this is yeah. really cool that you're agreeing uh, yeah. to not only not only do this, but the wonderful image uh, that we already have, and plus the actual readouts right. from the gravitational and mag- uh, the magnetic data uh, yeah. is, is fascinating. Yes, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to do this. This, by the way, let's put this in context. There are one or two claims of, of UFO sounds not well documented. In this case, we not only have the photographs, we not only have light spectra, we not only have the audio recording of everything we said and every camera click, but we also have the extreme low, magne- uh, low frequency magnetic field and we have waves of change in acceleration due to gravity that have a close correspondence to the magnetic field changes. We have this. There's never been a UFO case this well uh, documented in history before this. Well, that we, we know of, at least publicly. Uh, the, I, I well, the government, maybe. I hope the government the has military better, probably but, you know, has stopped the peak, it lower minds. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. By the way, they make an interesting Freedom of Information Act request for somebody. I'll tell you what, we'll timing. have to pick up on that in just a moment. We have Ray Stanford, and we'll try to work with him on getting digital files to be posted on the Paracast.com website. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We are in the final hour of our session with Ray Stanford. We're talking about the encounters in and around White Sands, New Mexico in 1978. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the PowerCast for the final hour. And I wanted to mention once again that we are going to be, by the time you listen to this, posting the various photos, illustrations on the PowerCast website in our forums at forum.thepowercast.com. We will be working with Ray 
to show him how to make digital copies of his analog tape recordings and post them as well. Chris. Okay, Ray, we're, we're about halfway through the event. You, you were describing uh, your premonition that these objects were going to dock, and uh, indeed they did. Now, what was Bob doing at this point uh, with the camera? Didn't he take a really interesting time exposure? Well, he, 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 he took the pictures that people are going to see of them tumbling. Right. Okay. Why don't you describe uh, what you think those blue uh, dots that are in that picture, what, what do you think those were? I mean, you couldn't see it with a naked well, eye, but they have to be something. No. Well, yes. This, of course, is has got to be uh, a rather high-energy plasma. They could be related to uh, talking. In other words, these things have docked. And when, when you have two objects operating seemingly hydrodynamically as well as uh, probably control of gravity and so on and so forth, you're going to have initially some instability, even as when you look at the magnetic uh, uh, graphs, which people will be able to see, uh, for the turns, there, there has to be a time of considerable instability. Now, what the people are going to see there is, uh, I think the maximum one that I put, that I sent you is eight seconds. We know the exact duration of the whole thing, but eight seconds. So this is... Uh, early into the thing, and I suspect that these blue dots could be related, might be related to uh, some type of uh, application of energy for talking uh, stability to, uh, to stabilize the, uh, uh, the rotation instead of uh, kind of a, a wobbling uh, rotation around the center. In other words, it's like a stabilizer, working. some sort of stabilizer uh, uh, venting or something going on. Magnetic. Yeah, that's right. That's right, and I believe that's what it, it could have been. There's no way for but by the, let me mention that people will have the opportunity, if, if the tape is not so bled through, you can't hear it, but I don't think so. I think it should still be good. This, this incredible rumble, there was total silence all the rest of the time, and we, uh, this enabled us, by the way, to calculate the distance. Once we saw the correlation between the turn and the, uh, the magnetic perturbations of their normal field effects, we were able to... By using the time lag between the visual event of the reversal of direction and the the auditory event, it, you see lights there essentially instantly, but the sound takes you a while. Using the local speed of sound, we were able to calculate the distance of these objects, and using the arc subtended in the photographs, we were also able to calculate the approximate size of these two objects. They were identical, and uh, the ellipsoid seems to have been... And they are very much the size of the Socorro object, or I would say around uh, 18 feet long, probably. Okay, now one thing that we need to do here, Ray, is, is we're talking about audio uh, data here. Now, we need to describe, uh, I think, to the listeners how you obtain this audio data. Your magnetometer has an audio function on it that is an analog uh, tone. Uh, why don't you describe the process of, of, okay. of how that sound okay, was now generated? The mag the the signals coming from the gravimeter and the magnetometer are going in. Now, they're being recorded at a level that, unless we flip a switch, we do not hear. This is called IRIG format recording. It's a format, a binary format of a type that the Navy uses in different uh, uh, bandwidth, but it'd be frequency modulation, FM. Uh, but we also have there on the unit, we flip a switch, and there's a little speaker there, and it creates an audio frequency analog of the signal that is being uh, monitored in uh, recorded in, in the other format. And you can actually hear, that's why we were so excited out there on the highway west of Plains for the first time. We were not only able to hear a UFO's magnetic field for sure, but we were able to hear these incredible instantaneous uh, reversal of direction when they occurred. That's what you're gonna, we're going to hear on the tape. No, you're going to hear, no, no, no. We also have a regular tape recorder out there. 
okay. with, with the you know microphone on it. Right, and it but records, that tape recorder is picking up the sound of the speaker and the magnetometer that is giving you the actual audio representation of the magnetic field change. That's right. That's right. Okay. Okay. Just and, just so and, people uh, understand that, I, I want right. to make that clear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. I Sorry don't to interrupt. know if we prob- possibly do not have that on uh, during the recording of the, you know, when they're making these sounds because that would interfere. I'm not sure. It's been so long since we've listened to the tape. Uh, I don't recall. But even if we don't, uh, you'll notice that there's no sound except us talking. And then all of a sudden, the sound starts. Let me say that it, it wasn't just a deep, throaty sound. My analog would be, and for everybody uh, listening to this, probably, they've probably seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Well, there's some, if you went to a good theater with big old uh, bass speakers, when the little boy was being drawn out through the, the pet door to be captured, taken to the mothership that was out there in the movie, uh, there is this deep rumble. But if you had good speakers, you also felt your soft tissue vibrating like in an earthquake. Well, you, you not only felt this in your soft tissue, you felt that the earth itself was shaking. And this is wow. why... Uh, Bob was so, he's listen at that, listen at that. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, it's just overwhelming. Okay, so we're, we're, we're halfway through the event. Let's uh, continue okay. in our, our timeline of uh, actually what happened okay. there. Okay. Well, this whole episode of, of what I would call showing off their abilities continued. Do their little performance, and, you know, sometimes they would repeat. Usually they were a different arrangement. There were all kinds of these weird little deals they did to show that they wouldn't hit each other, I guess. And uh, they, then they go back towards the corner. Now, why they kept going back towards the corner, I don't know. But they go to the corner and then make this streak so fast you wouldn't see it, but you could see it on film. Back to the front of the panels. Maybe and, they were uh, trying, so, to, trying to see if Lonnie was around and uh, show off for Lonnie, too, because it, it would make sense to me. <laughs> I suspect well, Lonnie was sound asleep at that time of night, but <laughs> um, uh, he was well off the police force by then, uh, retired. But the thing is that, that uh, I mean, we're just in awe, and you hear us talking about what's happening. And, and well, we described it as a ufologist's dream come true. And uh, to make it all crazier, we're, all of this is going on under a full moon. <laughs> and, you know, we could have howled. Uh, it was so wonderful. But uh, anyway, uh, as it... Uh, it, as it got on for, uh, this went on for, for, for 35 minutes until uh, five or uh, 10 minutes, I guess, after midnight. It began, I believe, at 11.35, so I think it ended 10 minutes after midnight. Uh, that's all subjective revision, looking at the logbook that our, our, actually I have it here on the computer. But uh, anyway, whether, uh, you know, whatever it was, it was approximately 35 minutes. And then uh, just, uh, we didn't know it was coming to an end, but suddenly... I made, they had they had gone back off off they were heading back off toward uh, Sagoro, as they had every time for thirty five minutes, and on the tape I make a strange statement. Uh, you know, memory is bad. And I can't say that my memory of it's one hundred percent accurate. But on the tape, I say something like, "Well, you guys better enjoy it this time because when they come back here, they're not going to head back towards Sagoro this time after they do their little performance." They're going to head off toward Holloman Air Force Base. Now, here's, yeah, that, that's weird this? in itself how because I had this? no reason to say it. It was irrational. Exactly. And my my wife, who was one of the other two people, and Bob, you hear them agree with me. Uh, my wife says, uh, "I know, yeah, that that's it." And and uh, and and Bob says, "I'm like, yep, this will be it." And it does. That's exactly what happens. Now, my feeling was. 
that they had completed their communications and maybe some kind of agreement, and they were going over to land and make contact at Holloman face-to-face. I don't know that. All I know is that they went over Whoa. the horizon on a, uh, uh, toward a coordinate from our okay, position. Okay, that, that's that your hypothesis. You think that they actually went to Holloman then? Uh, in I, I, that, that, I, I would guess that that's what happened. You know, I have no way of knowing, but that was my gut. And, you know, the part was right that, I mean, imagine for 35 minutes they'd done this this basic same thing, maneuvers, and towards the core. They're going back towards the core, and I say this, and why do those two agree with me? I mean, it's it's bizarre. I'll tell you you what, it's bizarre because I can't get my wife to agree with me all the time, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, I can say that's kind of bizarre. I don't want to get into the intimate details of your marriage and your relationship because that's probably not germane to this discussion. What is germane is the fact that we are talking to Ray Stanford, and we're wrapping up this incident near White Sands, New Mexico from 1978. The co-host is Christopher O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American, covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237 and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. You worry, but only because you're paying attention. What's happening in the Gulf of Mexico illustrates an audacity toward nature. A similar audacity called GMO, or genetically modified organisms, means that the quality of commercially grown food may be compromised with our health in the balance. Now that summer's here, what better time to learn about the bounty that nature provides in wild edible food? Let author Linda Runyon show you the best-kept secret in plain sight that food is everywhere you look. This summer, for the cost of a good meal or two out, you can literally starvation-proof yourself and your loved ones against any future craziness and put up tons of free food, too. Whatever experiment is being run on us, you can rest assured that Linda's 50 or so staple foods aren't involved. Our foods are their enemy. So go to ofthefield.com or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and take that first step. 
Make your oasis of food security and nutrition now. That's O-F-T-H-E-F-I-E-L-D dot com or call 1-888-513-2837. Start now and make 2010 your year of independence. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I'm told that it has everything. We are the GCN Radio Network. Genesis. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We returned to Ray Stanford talking about how he and his friend both agreed and his wife both agreed with him. (laughs) I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. Chris, follow up, please. Okay, Ray, this is uh, bringing up uh, Holloman now. This is new information for me. I don't recall uh, hearing this um, what-if sort of scenario that you just laid out here. Now, do you think that we should possibly do some sort of FOIA request? Uh, can you do it? Anybody uh, is welcome to do that. I, I don't know what happened out there, but I bet you'd really get a runaround. But it'd be interesting to see what you might get. We have a specific yes, date. we have the exact and- time and date, yes. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. So this, this, is, this is really interesting. Everything I, I, that happened out there is on tape. For example, once they had headed off toward Holloman, you'll hear me taking the uh, magnetic azimuth of where they would disappear over by Socorro and where they maneuvered in front of the, the panels, and at the elevation above gravitational horizon in front of the panels and the elevation of a gravitational horizon over uh, at Socorro. All that data was carefully recorded. Uh, before we actually uh, took off for Socorro. Yeah, aspiring field investigators, take notes here. Uh, this this is really important. You have to write everything down. And Ray, uh, I must say, you are quite the meticulous documentarian. I'm so uh, pleased to uh, to be able to say that you have all this data and that that you're you, that you're even going to help share it with people and stuff. This is great. Keep going. Sorry. Let me mention something. If if one own principle uh, doesn't want to to feel that uh, that my wife was agreeing with me one can come to the alternative i was informed by a phd working in at times a very classified material for the government in 1980 i was told that the uh well i'm not going to say it online but one of the intelligence agencies had learned that if they can they can take a, a briefcase put coils of wire in it patch it to a an energy source and an oscillator that oscillates at blank point blank hertz. Uh, 
And um, that if they do this and they, they bring it to a meeting with you, say they invite you out to dinner and they set it beside between you and them and turn it on. If they can get you there still eating and talking for over an hour, you'll become so hot, hypnagogic, you'll agree to anything. Well, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe they weren't being psychic. I, maybe I, I prefer to think they were. But it happens that uh, one of the frequencies that frequently gets hit in, in the magnetic field of those objects is right there in the same frequency that I was told uh, is used in this device. Well, you said blank uh, hertz. Uh, you can't give us a number there, right? Uh, it would be great to have that number. I don't know uh, beyond the decimal point. Okay, I'll tell you. It was well, approximately point. how many hertz are we talking about here? 13 point something, between 13 and 14 hertz. Oh, okay, and there's a little clue for you all out there. So a suitcase device with a coil uh, uh, that's oscillating, uh, and for about an hour, if it's in close proximity to a person, it can entrain you into a hypnagogic state. That's very interesting. I've never heard that before. That's what I was told by this PhD that informed me of that. And he's not the kind of guy that uh, he's very skeptical, objective person, and uh, he, he wouldn't have made up a story if he didn't know it for sure. That's really interesting. I'm going to do a little research on that one myself. All right, so let's continue on here. Let's uh, finish up our, our White Sands event. This is, uh, like you said, I, I, I agree with you, historic. We have gravitational data. We have mag, mag, uh, magnetometer recording along with an analog uh, audio signal that's squelched, and then when you have these dramatic turns, you've got this this wonderful sound that indicates uh, the change in the magnetic field. We have light spectra data. I'm assuming you had uh, some sort of blazing uh, on the lens that allows the, uh, the light to be split into its uh, components. And uh, we have an, uh, a complete recording of the entire event, uh, analog. And we have three, three witnesses with a lot of experience out in the field. Ray? This is amazing stuff, and uh, why hasn't this stuff been published? Why, why are we hearing this for the first time, most of us? Honey, once you use the term embarrassment of riches, we have that. You understand that what I'm describing here is nothing compared to the better stuff we've gotten. And you get overwhelmed, and you get working on it. And back then, of course, I had a lot of money to put into it. The one motion picture film I've gotten, I mentioned back 12, 12, 77 in daylight, very important film. Our corporation spent $89,000 studying that film alone. Now, of course, uh, that the corporation doesn't exist, taken over by some fundamentalist Christians who decided this was the devil and wouldn't have anything to do with financing science, UFO research. And, uh, but all the same, so I, I don't have the kind of money to put in all this, but I'm working very hard at it. But people out there will say, oh, geez, why didn't you wait? Well, my interest has never been in entertaining the public. It's to take your time. When people rush, they usually make mistakes. And take your time, know what you're looking at as well as you can know it before you publish. And this has, much light has been thrown on this case by much more evidential subsequent uh, films and recordings that we have gotten. It's a matter of, there's a whole lot of things here that even changed my and others working with me, changed our outlook about the anxiety we had to prove to John Q. Public. Well, we've now seen the proof ourselves. We think our first duty is to science. Leslie King has done a, a good book, but I think she made a mistake And uh, in suggesting a government panel. We must go to science with scientists and their study. Of okay, let me just kind of backtrack opinion. here. Okay, in her new book about UFOs, Leslie King, who was on the Paracast just a couple of weeks back, 
made the case with her contributors for a new UFO agency on the part of the U.S. government, maybe a Project Blue Book too, perhaps. But you're suggesting, you know, we don't want the government to do it. Let the private scientific sector do it? Yes. In other words, I think this is the reason I put together the incredible PowerPoint production that I have. I'm trying to get, if they will come and say it, key scientists. They don't have to have been in this. When they see it, they will know what they're seeing. For example, I would love to uh, Michio Kaku, the theoretical physicist, to come see this. He's he, he's very interested in UFOs. But have you asked him? Here, have you said, Michio, would you come and look at my presentation? I, have, I, I don't even have. I have an email address that I've sent some mass mail out letters to Kaku, but not not this. In the first place, he doesn't know me from Adam. Predictable sources have laid it all over the internet that I'm some kind of a kook because I used to work as a psychic with a research organization, and it, it, when they hear this. I think they kind of turn off. They don't realize, in fact, that people say, Ray, how do you get so many of these things? Well, why did I suddenly decide we had to go on the Highway 380 instead of the one we planned to take over there? Why did I feel that we wouldn't have anything on the highway that was on our map plan? And why did I change the last minute? Maybe being a bit psychic helps. Well, you know what? Maybe we should segue to that because we have only about 20-some-odd minutes to do with this episode of the PowerCast. And I remember your name and that of your brother's name in connection with being a psychic, a contactee, something like that. Would you be willing to address those issues? Of course. I'd love to. I appreciate you bringing it up. Okay. Let's keep in mind that when I was, to quote the very distorted account that Valet gives, a contactee, I was between 15 and 19 years of age. And I'll tell you what, we'll get into that, the age factor, about the fact that you and your brother were teenagers when you were classified as, quote, unquote, contactees. We'll get into more of that in a moment. We have Ray Stanford joining us. We've covered this series of cases around White Sands, New Mexico in 1978. We hope to post some information for you on the forums at forum.thepowercast.com. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Fortean phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, And the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. This is not a drill. Repeat, this is not a drill. Go. 
gun sales are on a staggering pace. Gun prices are going through the roof, and that means desperate, vicious criminals now want your guns and will do anything to get them. Now, a new book reveals powerful secrets for hiding your guns from thieves and looters. You'll learn step-by-step battle-hardened techniques, where to hide your guns so criminals will never find them, how to create the perfect hiding place, as well as the places you should never hide your guns under any circumstance. These and other closely guarded gun caching secrets are guaranteed to keep your weapons safe and out of sight when the going gets tough. But listen up. For security reasons, the Hide Your Guns book and even the website may disappear without warning at any time. Go to HideYourGuns.com. That's HideYourGuns.com. Or call 877-327-0365. Before they come for your guns. HideYourGuns.com right now. Right now. Right now. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Attention, an important product from HempUSA.org, Microplant Powder, will change your life by removing all types of positive toxins, such as heavy metals, parasites, bacteria, viruses, and fungus from the digestive tract and stomach wall so you can absorb nutrients. Microplant Powder is 89% silica and packed with a negative charge that attracts positive toxins from the blood, organs, spine, and brain. This product has the ability to rebuild cartilage and bone, which allows synovial fluid to return to the the joints. Silica is a precursor to calcium, meaning the body turns silica into calcium and is great for the heart. There is no better time than now to have microplant powder on your shelf or in your storage shelter. And with an unlimited shelf life, you can store it anywhere. Call 908-691-2608 or visit hempusa.org. It's a great way to change your life. So call 908-691-2608 or visit us at hempusa.org today. On air, online, and on demand. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Ray Stanford. We're now going back through time to the 50s and 60s, where he was known, he and his brother, as contactees. I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. You're in the Paracast. Okay, Ray, so when did this start? You were identified as a contactee. When well, all this starts? Oh, when did it start? Well, it started on uh, the 15th of October, 1953, when I learned that uh, there was a book out called Flying Sisters Have Landed, uh, which was, of course, joined by Desmond Leslie and, and uh, George Adamski. And I went down to the bookstore and got it, and on that same day did did a painting of the so-called scout ship, which I suddenly learned was a, 
a report on lampshade, uh, I think for a gas lamp, I could be wrong, uh, that had been brought from Poland uh, with Damsky's mother when they came over when he was. So his photograph was a Polish lampshade. That's right. It wasn't okay. a vacuum cleaner lid or, or anything else that people have claimed. Uh, people see things that look vaguely like it, and you know, I say, that's it, but it's, it's not. And uh, he even, Damsky ultimately liked my brother and me and, and showed us how he faked the mothership photographs, for example. He didn't, I think, want us to get hung up in this. But you see, I got taken into the, the idea of space brothers that are giving you love and light messages and this kind of stuff. And, Back uh, when you were a teenager. So we went down. Yeah, I, I, I was 15, and uh, we went down to Padre Island in 1954, which I was, well, I was 16, and uh, we, the eight of us went out there, and then there were uh, three policemen came out and, and joined us, and so we, had, we sent out telepathic messages, and whether it had any relationship or not, we saw UFOs that night, one of which was a dome disc, of which we succeeded in getting one photograph, that actually came in, and it, it did kind of scare the Waluli out of uh, the police officers that came. There was a state highway patrolman, Don Hard, a, his father, a deputy sheriff, Ray Hard, and a deputy sheriff, uh, Steve Woods, and I have a photograph of Ray and Don Hard together, him in uniform with the state police, and affidavits from, uh, from Ray Hart and uh, Steve Woods attesting to the fact that they saw this event on Padre Island. And yet because certain people muddied the water saying, oh, this guy's a contact, he don't believe him, despite 11 witnesses with police affidavits and one photograph, it's not even when you look at the, the literature uh, on the, on the, on the uh, websites of the cases, you'll not even see it listed, although it was the best documented police sighting in history at that time. Now, if this is kookery, if this is kookery, it's contactee, I'm fine. Now, I did encounter a couple of guys downtown at a theater in Corpus Christi that convinced me that they were aliens. But let's keep this in mind. We were being watched very closely by J. Edgar Hoover's buddies. They even, one of them flew all the way down to Peru with us incognito later. They told our mother all about it. But uh, they were trying to set you up. Uh, I could go in the the story that they would go so far as to try to kill you back in those days. But in this case, I believe that I was being fooled. They wanted me to look like a coup saying I had met aliens, okay? It happened again in 1956 in Los Angeles. Uh, but uh, whether that guy was one or not, I have no idea. At times, I feel like he was. This was after, I think, the FBI had... Oh, no, well, wait, man. Hold, hold on. Hold on, Ray. One second. So you think the, the second uh, encounter could have possibly have been a it real... Could. If, there, if there is such a thing as human-looking uh, aliens among us, this guy might well have been one. Why do you think that? I don't want to get into that, but I, I think that. Well, I you know what? Maybe let me ask you a question. Then this why won't you get into that? Look, why do we want to get into these things that are that I and you can't substantiate? Why don't we talk about the substantial stuff we've gotten? See, everybody wants to get off the track and to the loosey goosey end of things, and I don't. I prefer to stay where we have data. I can confirm. Okay, so I'm how did you about. get out of this contactee phase? Well, I began to realize that UFOs were not the, the space brothers that Adamski claimed they were. There were there were cases that were pretty uh, awesome. For example, now in I think it was sixty one, there was Gregory Well in Bellsville, Ohio. Uh, Gregory Wells that was 
two witnesses, was shot with a laser beam right through his thick Mackinac jacket, his sweatshirt, his shirt, and his undershirt, and suffered second, third degree burns, or first and second degree burns on his shoulder. Well documented, well witnessed. There was other cases, and uh, then we, when we were still in the, the good graces of Damsky and, and the contactees, uh, we were out there, and as I said, Adamski took compassion on us and confessed these things. He told us about his uh, bootlegging operation when he had the uh, the Royal Order of Tibet and uh, how he could make wine legally, he said, because it was a religious organization for communion. He said, hell, you boys, you don't, you know, I, I was the biggest bootlegger in all of Southern California. If it hadn't been for that goddamn man Roosevelt, I wouldn't have to get into all this salsa crap. And uh, <laughs> I would have that in. So then, it, then yeah, I won't comment on the quality of your Polish accent. <laughs> okay, well, Ray? But, okay, so basically he admitted to you it was all yeah. a big scam, it was all fake. Did you ever publish that? Yeah. Oh, yes. I went public with it right away. In fact, that's why, I mean, we get bad-mouthed by Carol Honey, who was Adamski's friend that published this thick book of claiming that he, he saw Space Brothers with Adamski. Well, when you read between the lines, and you know Carol Honey like I knew Carol Honey, you know that uh, it's a lot of BS. But anyway, this is why we became hated. My twin brother and I became the most hated people in the contactee movement because not only did we expose Adamski then, but we exposed Dan Fry. I mean, we absolutely caught him with his pants down, so to speak. In like what way did you expose him? Huh? In what way did you expose Dan Fry? Well, okay. We had been invited. I, I was doing the speaking, and, and Rector's helped me with the projector, showing some of the, the films that we had gotten. And we were speaking for the Understanding Organization, which was the one that was founded by Dan Fry. And uh, in the course of that, we were staying at Dan and Elma's house in... Um, they're outside the L.A. area somewhere. I forget the name of the place. And uh, anyway, the uh, uh, one morning uh, while Dan was at work at uh, the the laboratory that he worked for, uh, he was, I think, an electrical engineer. And anyway, uh, he, while he was at work, Elma said, you know, uh, I am troubled about something. She said, and I told you, you know, Dan claims he got this this movie in broad daylight of a spaceship when we were out at the Giant Rock Convention. But she said, the, the circumstances surrounding it uh, bother me. I said, what the heck? She said, well, look, we're out there, and he had put a good-sized box in the back of the car, and he said, don't jar this, it's fragile, Thelma. Don't open it, don't jar it, it's fragile. So I didn't, she said. She said, but we're out there a while, and he says, Elma, Elma I've got to go take a leak over behind the hill. Well, there was a, a restroom right there, and there were, if it was one of the conferences, I think it was, there were, there were porta cans or whatever they called them out there at that time. And uh, anyway, he, he walks off with this big box. He came back. He didn't say a thing to Elma that he was even back. And uh, over a week later, he brought in a movie film. And he put it on the thing, and Elma said, what's, what's that movie film? He said, oh, you know what I told you? I went behind the, the hill back there to take a leak. He said, well, actually, I, I encountered a spaceship, and I took a movie. And uh, she said, oh, gosh, I want to see it. He said, okay. He said, uh, uh, she got out the, the protector. And, uh, you know, she threaded. She had always done this for him. You know, when, when he, he was showing movies, anybody was showing movies, she set it up for understanding people. And she uh, she set this up and started running it at normal speed. 
And he said, wait a minute. You can't run this. This will damage the film if, if you run it at normal speed. Run this at the fastest speed it will go. Uh. <laughs> Do you want to damage the film? And... Uh, and right, if you run it normally, it'll damage the film, right, okay. Right, <laughs> it's yeah, a new yeah. one on me. Okay, so what happens oh, yeah, when you yeah. run it fast, way, why does that make a difference? This, this makes the difference. Well, I want to tell you the rest of this story first. I'll tell you, before uh, we I, let you do that, because we have one more segment of the PowerCast to go, and I want to get into okay. details about this film, why it's run in fast motion rather than slow motion, and maybe well, that That's what I was going to tell you. Yes, and uh, you're going to tell us, but first I tell our listeners. I have to break. And we raised. Hey, we got We got a break, Ray. Hold on. We got a break. Well, I tell our listeners. We're talking to Ray Stanford. We're going back through time when he was a teenager, when, you know, he was friendly or in friendly terms with some of the famous contactees like George Adamski, Dan Fry, and others. The co host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack. Attack. Of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You've seen our SinoFresh banner on the GCN website, yet your sinusitis is still a problem. Are you waiting for your sinusitis to go away by itself? Are you waiting for a SinoFresh discount? Okay, here it comes. But first, the facts. 67 other products merely treat symptoms and not the cause of sinus problems. And 37 million Americans suffer from sinus distress just like you. But now many are finding relief with the only patent-protected homeopathic nasal product that antiseptically eliminates the known causes of sinusitis. SinoFresh. Now, Here's your limited-time discount offer to use SinoFresh. Call 888-906-3636 right now for $2 off per bottle when you mention GCN. That's it. Just call 888-906-3636 and mention GCN for a $2 discount. But hurry, this offer is only for the first 1,000 customers. Call 888-906-3636, 888-906-3636. Call right now for $2 off per bottle. Mention GCN. Buy SinoFresh.com. It works. No one likes foreclosure. You won't say, think, or even consider foreclosure with ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Why? Because ZeroDebtGuarantee.com guarantees to stop your foreclosure for at least two years with no payments, no bankruptcy, and no negotiating. Thinking loan modification? That still keeps you in default. Zero Debt in 90 Days is the only proven system that keeps you in your house for as long as you want to stay, while making it possible to even get clear title to your house. No, we are not investors, bankers, attorneys, or real estate agents. We are a group of 
of people just like you that are sick and tired of the housing crash, and we've helped thousands avoid foreclosures since 1993. Please visit our website today, zerodebtguaranteed.com, or call to see how we can help save you tens of thousands of dollars and save your home. Call 800-477-9256, 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256, or visit zerodebtguaranteed.com. Guaranteed to stop foreclosure. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. How do you spell hard-hitting talk radio? G-C-N. The Genesis Communications Radio Network. This is the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have another session to spend with Ray Stanford, UFO investigator of longstanding... Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. And now we're going to talk about this film that you had to run at fast motion. Why? Right. Well, I'll tell you why. See, we ran it as slow a motion as we could go and stop frame there with Dan not being there with his wife, Elma. And sure enough, you come to this place, and the model was being suspended by a wire, a thin little wire. Or, or it could have been a nylon filament, you know, like fishing whatever you call those I don't fish but uh, it slipped from his hand and the model is falling down and he grabs it and when he moves his hand over to grab it it tilts the filament or wire where you see the reflection of the entire thing by the sun and he yanks it up and then it stabilizes. Now, the whole time it has a certain pendulum motion thing on the end of this wire. That can be calculated in and of itself to show that it's a small model. But the wire, it's obvious that, that, that it has slipped out of his sweaty hand out there in the desert. And he just had to grab it and yank it and uh, get it out of where, the, where the, the wire was not showing. And when we showed, I mean, it's so obvious. So that night, there was a meeting in which I was the speaker. And I showed a movie film that I had gotten on September 18, 1956. And I said, now I know that all of you have heard about this wonderful, interesting film that Dan got out at the spacecraft convention. And so we put it on. And I had Rex running the projector. And I looked over at Dan at his book table. And beads of sweat are coming up all over his forehead. (laughs) And Rex starts this thing running. And he literally leapt over the table, athlete style, ran over there and grabbed the thing and said, Destroy the film. You've got to run it maximum speed. And uh, I, I, I put my hand, I, I jumped down and put my hand over on here. I said, Dan, now, just relax. I've been running these things probably longer than you have. 
it's dangerous to a film to, to run it at that kind of speed. You can get out of bracket and just tear the emotion up and the, the backing. And uh, don't worry, we're going to run. And, oh, man, he looked like he was going to pass out. I said, just sit down. I insist on running this slow speed so people can see this whole thing. You know they're going to be suspicious. They're going to be suspicious if you want it run at high speed that you might be hiding something. And we ran it. And there was a nice couple there, uh, whose names I still retain, that had been very faithful in making contributions to understanding. And I was standing by the book table when they passed out, leaving with Dan and Alma standing behind the table. And he said, Harry said, Dan, you know, if I didn't know you so well, I would swear that that was a wire model with tissue paper sides and that the wire you had it attached to slipped out of your hand and caught the sunlight for a minute and you grabbed it and that you were trying to hide it from us by wanting to be run so fast. Oh, the Homer Simpson Dan moment. began to jerk his shoulders. When he started lying, his shoulders would, would jerk up at high speed and drop back down, jerk up. He began to jerk his shoulders. He said, well, it's, it's like I said Ray, to Ray. Uh, I don't know what size this object was. It, it could have been as small as a few inches across. It could have been huge. I have no idea of the distance. He, he has been ocular vision, after all. <laughs> and uh, so they went on. They went away. But uh, Elma... She told us about other instances in which similar things had happened. They were they were at Doris Levesque's house in the high desert, and they're all doing visiting just a social visit. And Dan had also brought a box he told her not to get into. Well, he, he said he had to go outside. He wanted to just roam around outside. So they're visiting, and he goes outside. He comes back in after a while, doesn't say a thing. After a while, a few days later, here's this packet of photos processed, still photos, on the table that he lays down when he comes home from from Crescent Engineering. And uh, so, uh, Alma says, what's this? Oh, I I forgot to tell you when I was out there the other night when you and Doris and whoever else it was uh, were inside, uh, I I saw a spaceship and got some pictures. And listen, these are I'm beginning to see a pattern here, Ray. Yeah, right. (laughs) These were, I mean, all he had cut was a crude outline of a dome disc and put a light behind it. It was so carny. But there it was. So he did worse than even Billy Meyer. Billy Meyer had the wedding cake photos, but Dan Fry couldn't even manage that. Uh, well, that, that's right. He, he, he was a, a much poorer faker than Billy Edward Meyer, unless you're a good photo analyst and see what's the problem with Billy Edward Meyer's immediately. But, uh, uh, yes, he, he, was, he was not very good. And you could see, as several people come in to me afterward, you could see the tissue paper vibrating up and down in the desert wind glued to the metal, little thin metal framework they had it supported on to make the UFO. So the evidence was even thinner than tissue paper. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. I would say that it was. I, I and, love the uh, ivory soap and the feathers story, too. That's a good one. <laughs> Brother oh, that, Boko. That's a, that, that's a very good one, yes. Oh, uh, I don't suppose you want to go into that one. but <laughs> oh. yeah, no, that, Unfortunately, that, that, that we only have best. about five minutes left. We just can't right. go into very well, much more. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything substantive you'd like to, to get into, either well, about my what, evidence? What are you or, working on right now, Ray? You mentioned that you're working on this very, uh, very intense uh, slideshow presentation. Why don't you give us a quick thumbnail of, of what this presentation is? Okay, it's it's PowerPoint electronic slide presentation. It's comprised of uh, at the present time of over six hundred slides, and it includes wonderful evidences, including, for example, frame series from a movie in which you actually see a mothership that had smaller objects connected with it, daylight film. You actually see the horizon, the background horizon, the backlighting from that horizon that passes through the field of the mothership. You actually see the uh, gravitational lensing or the equivalent thereof, and you actually see the, the mountain down below it just 
at 54 frames a second in which I was filming. In five frames, it completely collapses flatter than a pancake. And then in 15 frames, it comes back up. It doesn't do this just once. It does this again and again and again throughout the film. But as you go radially out further, the further you get, the less it warps the mountains. And in fact, it actually causes the mountains further up to rise up and become taller than they were uh, at, at the beginning of the cycle I'm describing, while the, the one in the middle is getting uh, shorter. Also, the intensity of light. I do a, a analysis on the computer of the intensity of light across the screen. And you see that when it is collapsing this mountain, the light becomes, how it becomes uh, spread and focused alternately. The, the, in other words, we're measuring and, and color-coding the intensity across the screen. And you actually see the light, as if you're focusing the backlighting, you're going to have that. You're going to have it spread out further when it's, things are collapsing underneath it, and it's going to get narrower and narrow and get brighter in the middle when it draws together and the, these things can come back up. And that's exactly so, what you have. Couple let me ask you a fast question here. This is a presentation you're doing in PowerPoint, right? That's right. Okay. Are you able to create a copy of this presentation that we could post on the PowerCast forums when it's no done. way. This kind of stuff is for scientists. It's to be published in referee during publications if we can get it in there, and I believe that we can. This is why I want to get key people in with me. Uh, when I started my research in, in dinosaurs, I mean, I'm, I'm a nobody. But because I had good enough evidence of, tr- of in very important tracts that I got the professionals to work with me and help me in preparing the scientific papers, then you get into mainstream refereed publication. And I believe that I can certainly do this in, with this UFO evidence. Well, the time is not to put it out on websites or YouTube uh, as the, 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 the movies or anything like that. The time is, is to deal with scientists. I'm not anxious. I'm, I'm not, no offense to Paracast, but I am not interested so much in being an entertainer as an informer. Now, when do you think you'll have this finished, this presentation? It will probably never be finished. There's so much data, but it, it, will, it will be at the time when I get the right scientists working with me that we can publish this. And I, so, so you're at a point believe, now where you could present I, it. I believe. You, yes, I believe that I okay. have evidence that could be accepted in Nature, for example. Let me ask you a fast question, Ray, because we're just wrapping this up. Is there any place where our listeners can check out your work or contact you if they have information to present to you about something? I would generally prefer not to be to be contacted uh, because uh, you, you get all kinds. Of, I mean, I've had people that have gotten my email address and, and they send you fake evidence trying to get you to fall apart and then they'll expose you as being incompetent scientifically. I just don't want to waste my time with people sending me bad information. And uh, if they've got good information, they should describe like, to somebody like to, to you, Chris, that, that is known to me if you have time to listen. And if it, if it sounds worthwhile, then I might take a look at it. But okay, so in that so case there, if we get stuff. the information, we'll just forward it on to Chris to look at first. And if it looks interesting, he'll send it right. to you. Chris O'Brien, right. where do we find more of the things that you're working on? Well, I do uh, have a website. It's called Our Strange Planet. That's O-U-R, Strange Planet. We do live on a strange planet, and uh, it's OurStrangePlanet.com. Of course, my latest book is Stalking the Tricksters, which tries to uh, look at these wonderful mysteries in a new and different way. And, uh, of course, I'm I'm at the Paracast Forum. (laughs) Last couple of days uh, before taping here have been pretty hot and heavy on that forum, but uh, that's where you can find me. Ray Stanford, thanks for joining us this week on the Paracast. My pleasure. Thanks, Ray. The 
Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. Paracast.